Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Guess what day it is? It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Good. Good morning, everyone, and happy Friday from the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Matthew Rocchio is still dancing. Brooke Grimsley is here. Matthew, you look at Kerry uh, Davis. He's trying to get your attention there. <laughs> I was just trying to. You were. Don't worry about it. He's sir. dancing. He's, you, he's you looking. Are, he's looking down and dancing. Brooke is dancing. See, CD. Best moment. Brooke, all due respect, and I've, I've only seen you dance when Taylor Motter got sent down. Stop. <laughs> no. But but I, I'm absolutely convinced that Kerry Davis is the best dancer in our room. Uh, He's got the most rhythm. I don't think there's any question about well, it. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know. Brooke may give me a run for my money. I, I have a confession to make, guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm waiting on this. Let's go. I have a confession to <laughs> okay, make. Let's go. Wait, is this what you think it is? I don't know. I'm, oh, I, okay. I hope. Yeah. I hope. Uh, I used to be in some country music videos. And? Okay. and this is what I was hoping. Okay. I don't, wait, I don't know what it is. Oh, go ahead. No. <laughs> I was going to say that I was, a hip-hop, I was on a hip-hop dance team. Is that what you were thinking? Oh, I thought you were going to talk about the, okay. the, uh, the rapper. That we talked about. Oh yes. Did you? Did you? No, I didn't think about that. That was not the one that came off the <laughs> top of I, my head. I, I, yes. When you told me that video, I, Bubba I, Sparks. Yeah. But, he's a, so. but here's the thing: for clarification purposes, for clarification purposes, you were dancing. You were. I was not dancing. I was acting. I was. I was the villain in this music video. It was Bubba Sparks and Colt Ford. This was his country <laughs> rap. This was his. I want to clarify: country <laughs> rap time. I would. I acted as a villain in this music video. If you, you want to look it were. up online, it's called Jacked Up. Yeah, uh, it's well, there. Gotta check it out. Out. <laughs> Jacked Up by Bubba Sparks. Who, by the way, Bubba Sparks one time was scheduled to perform at the 101 ESPN Conference Championship Bash. 101 ESPN paid him. And he didn't show up. Really? Yeah. Oh, oh no. you owe us one. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, now. What, what, what I have learned here is, A, that I have to be the producer and director of said video, but our management team tells us, hey, you got to be on TikTok. we got to have Brooke and Carrie doing a TikTok, don't we? I mean, if you, oh, if you guys have that. On the TikTok? On the yeah. TikTok. Just like yeah. the Facebook. Yes. Yeah. We can do it. My, my So my daughter, when she comes home from college, she generally has me learning TikTok dances, and I'm her TikTok dance partner, which I, I, I it's it's fine, I guess. You're the dad in the background, yeah, just trying I, to keep yeah. up. I'm trying to figure out all these hand movements, and uh, yeah, it's cool. TikTok is hard to keep up with. It, There's it, a, yeah. lot a lot happening on that app. A lot of content there. There is, yes. Yep. Uh, if you missed it last night, here's what happened in the Cardinal game. They won 16 to eight, and this is how. Fly ball center. That ball is well hit. Home run 
and the Cardinals have the lead. Swing, fly ball, hit high in the air toward left. At the track, at the wall, that one's gone. Look at Yepes. Cardinals with four in the third inning. Line drive, deep right center field. That's on the run. That one's going to go too. The Birds' bats are beginning to boom. Swing, fly ball, that one's going to go a long way. Off the foul pole. A four homer inning. Swing, fly ball. Fly ball, right center. Well hit. It's carrying. It is gone. I like. I, I think that should really be a game plan. You see Ollie talking to Hicks. Corman drives this one deep center. That one to the track and wall. Alvin leaps in. He can't get it. And then on Bally Sports, Chip Carey goes. <sighs> <laughs> After calling seven home runs in a 16-8 victory, Wilson Contreras with a pair, Nolan Gorman with a, care, a pair, Arenado went deep. Uh, the Cardinals just had a, a, a crazy night of power. It was a lot of fun. By the way, we, let's give credit to Paul DeYoung, who hit one out of the ballpark, Juan Yepes, who hit one out of the ballpark. It was just, it was a, a booming display on the part of the Cardinals, who at one point had a 9-2 lead, fell to 9-8, and then they went at 16-8. Did you also mention Nolan Gorman? Yeah, with the two. With yeah. with his first career home run against the lefty. I feel like that yeah. that deserves. Are Absolutely. we starting two to hit day. Yeah. Two hit and what versus the lefty? Yeah. Two hits. Nah, yeah. He's playing every day from here on out. Yeah, he, he has we don't, to. We don't we don't care who's pitching. Yeah. And yeah. You do that Julio Urias was one of the best pitchers in baseball last year. He was a, right there on the edge of winning the Cy Young. And the Cardinals just destroyed not only Urias, who went three innings, he allowed six earned runs on six hits, but then Phil Bickford, we all remember him, number 700. That should just be his number, 700, right? (laughs) Yes. Poor fella. Uh, And then Jackson came out and allowed three earned runs, and then they got to Yency Almonte for four. And guys, we said it on Monday when the Brewers came to town. This was a big homestand for the Cardinals. Now the Cardinals have won two of three from Milwaukee and they win last night. I was thinking if they go three and four on the homestand that Mm -hmm. I would consider it a win. I would hate to lose the next three, but winning three against these two teams is a big deal. Well, one thing that they did last night, going into the game, the uh, Brad, BT and, and Chip were talking about how taxed that Dodgers bullpen had been over the last couple of weeks. They really got to it again. And Bickford, you talked about him earlier, he just couldn't find the strike zone. Mm-hmm. He looked like a guy, I think they said he had pitched two or three days uh, out of four, and, and was he looked gassed, which is good for us. We hope that we can get that starting pitcher out early again today and get into that bullpen because they are going to struggle uh, as they did yesterday. And, and the way that they attacked Urias should have been a, a, a crime. It was an assault. Let's yeah. practice this, okay? Urias. 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 Yeah, J.P. Morosi will give us Urias. an Urias. In, in the third inning? Yeah, that was an assault. Urias. I will say, to be <laughs> fair, should I did be, should have been arrested. I did hear several different pronunciations of Urias. I felt like throughout the evening, as the evening goes, and especially mm-hmm. when he's get getting banged up that much too. Yeah, I think that maybe you might mess it up too. It seems like he doesn't have the best road ERA too, but no. we know that he is a really good pitcher. So I know that I I posed this question yesterday of if this was going to be a big measuring stick game for the Cardinals in their progression. I felt like this was a huge measuring stick game in general, but also for their offense to show what they can do once again against good pitchers. And Wilson Contreras, two home runs, six RBIs. His OPS 
remains on the rise. And it's more than just what he's bringing at the plate, behind the plate. But he has an infectious personality that is rare on the very professional Cardinals. And he was asked last night after the game if that enthusiasm spreads throughout the team. I think that's part of of who I am, for sure. Um, I'm always trying to find ways to keep the team going. Uh, It doesn't matter what it takes to. Um, Obviously, we had. I was trying to get good at bats and strike out twice, but my focus was on winning the game and keep the game keep the game online. And uh, they kind of came back, but our energy was still there of, of, to win the game. And, and, and I'm glad that uh, we got a nice answer um, in the eighth. Brooke, in the Yogi Berra. Uh, documentary the other night. Nick Swisher was featured a lot. Nick mm-hmm. Swisher has just an outsized personality, kind of like Wilson Contreras. And the Yankees were known as a briefcase team before Nick Swisher got there. Bunch of veteran guys show up into the in the clubhouse looking like executives with briefcases and Wall Street Journal in the briefcase. And Nick Swisher is a guy that has fun. He's playing a game. He's playing ball. And I get the sense, not that the Cardinals were completely a briefcase team, but they're a veteran classy team that they've got their money and they're they're watching their accounts and they're you know they're keeping an eye on CNBC and all of that stuff. <laughs> Wilson Contreras is a guy that treats it as a game. Yeah. And I think that does that attitude permeates throughout that that room in that dugout. Well, and I think even Chip mentioned last night, maybe Ricky Horton as well. It's like watching like a big kid just go out there and have fun, mm-hmm. right? And having that energy in the dugout, but also what he's able to do this whole week, you can't discount that because you had that big performance behind the plate with Jack Flaherty. That was a huge moment. It, it felt like it was like weeks ago, but that just happened on Monday. And then you also had him back behind the plate too with Adam Wainwright. That was a big moment as well because that was the first time that he has caught for Wayno this season and that was huge in yeah. itself too and then his performance at the plate I mean you can't take away or discount this val- the value that he's bringing to the team right now and the energy I mean did you guys see that moment I can't remember if it was Yepes's home runner whose it was it was but Yepes, then yeah. he was like grabbing something it was like shaking and I'm like <laughs> yeah. that is I literally tweeted so many people did too like that is all of us watching this game right now he feels like a fan he feels like one of us just out there bringing that energy and passion and you can tell that his teammates love it and appreciate it too I've got to give Oscar Mercado some love, too. He's a guy that has played 163 games in the last three seasons, mm-hmm. got his call up, got an opportunity yesterday, went three for four, didn't get any RBIs, but scored three runs. Give him some love because he's going to have to play going forward. This outfield is starting to become in shambles. Tommy Edmond uh, got left the game. He's been starting in right field. Mm-hmm. So uh, we were talking about it earlier. We don't know who's going to be in the field in the outfield now. Yeah. You got Dylan Carlson is injured. You got Tyler O'Neill injured. You got Tommy Edmond who was pulled yesterday. Who's left? You Contreras. Randy, Randy, they said they weren't going to do that. Okay, I know they said it 24 hours after they said they would do it, but they did say they weren't going to do it. So we're not going to see Wilson Contreras in the outfield. Hopefully. <laughs> but uh, Mercado is going to have to play yeah. some outfield. And, and you got to figure out, is it Burleson? Is it is it uh, Juan Yepes in, in the other spot? And for a while, Mercado was one of those guys that we regretted the Cardinals trading. I was mad that the, the day they traded him. But I, I'm glad to see him back because he's a talented guy. Cardinals within six now in the National League Central. They're a game behind third place Chicago and Cincinnati. So by the end of the night, the Cardinals could be tied for third place okay. in their division. They're making a run. 
A couple of other things from last night. The Nuggets over the Lakers, 108-103. Nuggets suck. I don't oh. care that they're up 2 nothing. I hey, hate they, them. They might win in four. Five. Yeah. They may get a gentleman's sweep. Yeah. It's... LeBron James, I, I, said to, I said this to you all a couple of weeks ago. He looks how Chris Paul looked last yes. season in the playoffs. He is tired. Mm-hmm. He is gassed. And there is the crazy thing about getting older and in sports, you don't know when you're going to hit that spot. It just happens. But as a player, you don't know that you hit it. Everybody else does. And Oh, I think he knows. You think he knows? Because I don't think Chris Paul realizes. Randy, he knew, too. He was so tired after every game, it was ridiculous. But LeBron knows it, too. The way he fumbled that ball out of bounds on his on his dunk attempt, I've never seen him miss so many shots at the rim as he did last night. He knows. He knows he's tired. He still knows he can play at a high level, but he knows he has to figure out a way to conserve some energy to be able to finish games. Lakers down 2 nothing after losing last night, 108-103. And, man, there is nothing like the Stanley Cup playoffs. Now, yes. I stayed up to the uh, to the end of the third overtime. Me too. I, 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 I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> but is there anything more compelling than that action and the t- the tension of an overtime Stanley Cup playoff game? Because there's always action, and you never know when something's going to happen to end it like that. Yes, it was such a good game, and I I'm it honestly feels like this should be the Stanley Cup final, right? Oh, we should say Matthew Kachuk scored the winner yes, in the fourth overtime. Well, and I was I was about to get to that. Yeah. yeah, I was about to get to that. Matthew Kachuk too. We've been talking about him so much during the Stanley Cup playoffs, and rightfully so. I mean, he has to be just the MVP thus far in this whole Stanley Cup playoffs. The way that he's playing, the way that he's locked in, the way that he's just a leader and coming up in such a clutch moment that almost sealed the deal for me right there yeah that, the thing about w- watching that you you as the periods you know first overtime second overtime they are looking like they are skating in mud like mm-hmm. it, yeah. it, it is so much slower like these guys are really fatigued out here but the ability to, the, the ability to continue to push through I mean, you finally score a goal with 12 seconds left in over in the fourth overtime. Yeah, you play two games and a quarter, like in it's another period. That that is, that's absurd. It's unbelievable. And here's me saying, okay, I'll wait till the next commercial break. I'll wait till there's 13 <laughs> minutes left in this overtime. I'll wait till there's seven minutes left in this overtime. Then all of a sudden we've got an intermission. Okay, I'll just somebody will score in the first minute of the next overtime. So I go to that, 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 and then finally uh, I just could not keep my eyes open after the third overtime. Yeah. But man, it was awesome. It was, yeah. it was great. We got to get Big Walt on here and learn from him about everything that he's done with yeah. his sons and and Robert Thomas lived with him too. Right. right? Yeah, they're buddies. Yeah, so the Panthers beat the Hurricanes in Game 1 in four overtimes, 3-2. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, Adam Wainwright got the start last night for the Cardinals. How's he looking? That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Cardinals rolled over the Dodgers last night, 16-8. to They built a big lead, and then the bullpen almost let things get away before the Cardinals' offense bounced back. Adam Wainwright, five and two-thirds. He allows five runs on five hits. He struck out one and walked three. I don't think Adam is completely where he wants to be yet after having the, the groin injury during the World Baseball Classic, missing the first month of the season, essentially. And I don't know that Adam... He's basically in the middle of spring training. I don't think he's where he wants to be yet. Yeah, it's just his third start of the season, too. And I think that especially with the way that that first inning went, 
of course, a lot of people were jumping on the panic bus. I mean, I saw it all over social media where people were like, oh, great, here we go. But it was just his third start of the season, and I felt like he really did settle in after that because in the second one is that he had like a one, two, three inning, and then he was able to like work his way out of a triple later on. You did have that Paul Goldschmidt error, which was, can we just talk about how rare that that was, <laughs> yeah. that also led to a run as well too. But I thought it was – a decent outing for Adam Wainwright. And honestly, it wasn't the story of this game. This offense no. was built to mash and to help support the starting pitching and pitching staff when they're not so great on the mound, and they did that last night. And the big thing he needed to do was get the Cardinals to a position where the bullpen was not going to be overtaxed because you didn't have Palante, you didn't have... Uh, uh, <laughs> Stratton? No, you had Stratton. Cabrera? Uh, Gallegos, Gallegos, Gallegos. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've never had a concussion either. <laughs> I'm sure you had Cabrera, Verhagen, Hicks, and Stratton, and you didn't have Helsley either. And so the Cardinals were able just to guide their way through this victory. And Wainwright and Wilson Contreras have faced each other for a long time. And Waino, obviously talks about the pleasure he had playing catch with Yadi or Molina for the better part of 20 years and often called Yadi his brother, Wilson Contreras, on playing with Wayno. That was amazing. I mean, since the free training, it's been good to me. We call each other brother. And um, I'm glad that I'm on this side now. I'm glad that uh, I'm, I get to spend his last year with him. Adam Wainwright has a lot of brothers. He does. <laughs> I, and, but that's that's what's so nice about his return. We've talked about that, right? Just the leadership that he brings to the clubhouse when he returns. But also... Wilson Contreras, the way that he's handled everything thus far this season, I'm beyond impressed with him. And also, you're starting to see, too, I remember Wayno was even one of the pitchers whenever they got Wilson Contreras that said, like, facing him, you don't like facing him. Mm-hmm. And obviously, they face him a lot when he was with the Cubs. But he's a guy that you like to have on your team because of that energy that he brings. And he has to live in the nightmares of opposing pitchers' heads, yeah. right? Like, I mean, <laughs> the the way that they, he just lives in their heads rent-free, it feels like, mm-hmm. is really interesting, especially towards the end there when you walk Goldie it's like okay you're going to take your chance with Wilson good luck Contreras over the years has caught some veteran skilled guys he obviously had Lackey and Lester in Chicago Kyle Hendricks who was a guy who you just put your glove there and he hits the glove so what was it like throwing to Adam Wainwright uh, it was good I mean uh, first the first time I was like I have a lot of a lot of thoughts you know I was like I was kind of nervous he's going right you know we have to like we want to do good but he's a great guy, great human being. Um, he made adjustment in the second inning. He started uh, hitting spots and, and finding weak contacts. And that's what kept us on track. I mean, he did a really good job all the way into the last inning. And I'm, I'm glad that um, I will get to catch for going right his, in his last year. Adam is going to turn 42 in August. And I know this sounds really unfair, but I expect him and he expects him, by the way, he expects himself to throw complete games. I expect him to give the Cardinals, get the Cardinals into the seventh inning on a regular basis. He's not going to be satisfied with last night's performance. And not that we're unsatisfied with it because the Cardinals did win the game, but the Cardinals need that guy that's going to get them into the seventh inning on a regular basis. I think he performed pretty well, minus that first inning, which was, you know, obviously not the way you wanted to start it. Uh, after that, he only gave up three hits, and but they had two errors, and yeah. one of those errors being the Paul Goldschmidt error at first base, which allowed a runner to come in, and then, you know, 
Freddie Freeman came to the to the plate with with bases loaded, yeah. and we know how that story ended. Yeah, Freddie Freeman is fourteen for eleven with seven yeah. home runs at Bush Stadium or something like that. He, he's uh, he's spectacular. So uh, I thought he did. I thought he settled down really well. Um, had he got that, had Paul got his glove down and, and stepped on the bag, they get out of that inning, and he does get you to the to the seventh inning without any issue. So um, I think when he looks at the performance yesterday, he'll if you scratch that first inning. You can say, I had a hell of a day. Here's the amazing thing, and Matthew brought this point up. He only threw four four-seam fastballs last night. Wayne yeah. only threw four four-seam fastballs. Hmm. 28 cutters, 24 curves, 31 sinkers. And then uh, it, it was four four-seamers, right? Seven, 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 seven four-seamers. Four okay. Uh, but still, seven when you throw 95 pitches is a pretty substantially low number. Uh, 17, 17 strikes, 14 called, and three swinging strikes for Adam Wainwright last night. So he's using his defense. Yes, yes. Well, and he only had, what was it, just one strikeout? But I think we all know Adam Wainwright's not necessarily going to be a guy with a lot of swing and miss stuff. We know that, right? But like you mentioned, you do hope he's typically a guy that can go deeper into games. This is just his third start, though. I think that we have to remember that as well. And he's coming back from injury where it does feel like this is kind of what the other pitchers went through almost early on, mm-hmm. what we saw with them too. It felt like it took them almost like four or five starts to really kind of start I guess, getting on the right page of what we think that they should be. But at the same time, I think the starting rotation is what it is right now, right? We knew what it was going into the season. We knew, we see the numbers now. It's going to have to be the offense being elite to carry carry this team forward. I don't disagree with that, but I do think that this starting rotation can be one that gets you to the bullpen and only requires the bullpen. And this doesn't include... Steven Metz. But I think everybody else is capable of getting you into the seventh inning and forcing the bullpen to only give you nine outs. Would I be surprised if Miles Michaelis got us into the seventh on a regular basis? No. Wayno wouldn't be surprised. Flaherty, with the way he's thrown, now it hasn't been consistent, but yeah. look at our last outing. Uh, I, I wouldn't be surprised by him. Uh, so Montgomery. Montgomery certainly yeah. is a guy that yeah. can get you there on a regular basis. And then Hopefully, Matthew Libertor can be one of those guys, too. If if this bullpen can only be forced to deliver nine outs on a regular basis, then the Cardinals have a chance to do some pretty special things. But there's a big difference between double-digit outs for a bullpen and, and single-digit outs for a bullpen. Yeah. Well, and also, I know that we're going to take a little bit of a deeper dive into this later on, but BK and Ferrero did have on John Mosellock, and he mm-hmm. was asked about the whole Matthew Libertor situation and the starting rotation. He had some interesting comments, but... But when it comes to Matthew Libertor, he brought up the possibility that he could serve as a role out of the bullpen against the Dodgers this weekend, too. So that was, I think, a little bit surprising uh, for people to hear, because after that outing he had the other night, I remember, what was that? Was that Wednesday? That was mm-hmm. when, or Thursday. Wednesday. Wednesday. Like All my days are yeah. getting mixed up. Wednesday. Uh, you're like, that's somebody I got to have in the starting rotation right now, too, especially if he can get a little bit deeper into games. Yeah, and Stephen Matt's looking for his first win tonight, 0-4 with a 5.62 ERA. He's going against the Dodgers and Tony Gonsolin, who is 1-1 with a 1.42. So you might have a little David and Goliath stuff going on, but as we all know, Goliath didn't win. (laughs) So... That's your Cardinal story here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the PGA Championship is underway in New York, and we're going to talk to our friend Jay Delsing about what's going on with the PGA and with golf next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, trex, evergreen, and azec to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Hackman Lumber is an authorized Yeti dealer and also stocks a large assortment of grills, so celebrate summer with a new Big Green Egg, Weber Gas, or Charcoal Grill, and all of the accessories from Hackman Lumber. Come visit their showrooms in St. Charles, Pacific, and Troy, Missouri, or online at hackmanstl.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It strikes me that usually on days like this at the end of the night, the Cardinals find themselves on the mats. Oh. oh. Andy. Wah, wah. Are they 0-8 starts? They have, have they won a single one of his starts? Uh, no, he's 0-5. I'm not even going to look. Oh, Come geez. on. I'm not even going to look. Uh, Jay Delsing is with us. You can hear golf with Jay Delsing Sunday mornings here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Pretty good, Randy. That was... Not good. (laughs) (laughs) And this comes from another dad, a dad joke uh, guy. Come on. I know. I got terrible ones, too. (laughs) We better better just keep going. How do you think the PGA Tour is feeling this morning? Oh, man. DeChambeau and uh, and, uh, Dustin Johnson won two at the PGA Championship? I know. And and this DeChambeau has changed his body and his golf game, you know, more than my daughter's changed close on a weekend you know i can't keep track of him and now he's talking about living to be over 100 and yeah i uh, but but his golf game yesterday was fantastic if you look at his record he's been just abysmal his last i think in his last seven uh nine 72 hole tournaments he's either missed a cut or withdrawn in seven of the nine so you know, golf is unpredictable as all hell, as you know, but his game is all over the place. Yesterday was a really good day for him. Jay, I was watching uh, some golfers warm up. I think it was John Rahm, and he had this putting plate uh, that helped. He was working on his putting. They were, they were practicing. How much does something like that help? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, yeah, quite a bit. So, Kerry, what, what I think, because um, I saw that as well, and I didn't get a great look at it, but what I think – so, so one of the things that's so hard about putting, you guys, is the you're you're standing next to a ball, so it's a side-on game, but your target is out, you know, away from you, and so what the players are working on constantly is what their perspective, um, with their aim of their putter looks like. So if you get slightly off looking down at the ball, very seldom do you ever put it where you want it to go. 
And so they're working all the time on trying to get that eye position to be the same and not get too far over the ball and not get too far on top of it. And so uh, it's, it's, it's really frustrating. I got to a point in time where I was aiming so far left and thought I was aiming straight, you know, that none of, none of my putts, especially my short putts, would, would go in. And so that's what I think he was working on. Mm. Jay, right now, too, we're experiencing nice warm weather here, but it seems like they're dealing with a lot di- more different temperatures of their freezing temperatures. How does that how much does that factor into play this weekend? Yeah, that's not not easy at all, Brooke. I mean, that's one of the challenges, you guys, when the PGA and the PGA Tour got together and moved the the PGA Championship from August to May. I mean, there's a lot of warm weather states you could go to, but, um, you know, Rochester, New York, is not your first thought of going, you know, the first two weeks of May. They could get anything. The the conditions are supposed to be better, but, I mean, a frost delay, that's, that's not that much fun. Hey, lots Jay. of gear, guys, lots of different stuff that you got to bring with you to, to just be prepared for that. Yeah. I want to touch on a couple of guys. Number one, Scotty Scheffler was considered by many to be the favorite coming in. He spends the first round uh, playing very well. He's one shot off the pace. Uh, what is it about Scotty Scheffler now, and he's top two or three in the world, what is it about his game that you really like? You know what, Randy, he's had a huge, really high compete level. Like almost Tiger-esque, you know. Tiger never gave up on a shot. Scotty is a big, uh, a big guy, and he's really, really creative around the greens. He hits it a mile, like all the guys on tour does do today. But he, he just, um, I, I just read something about, um, you know, his mental prep, and he's, he's just works on staying extremely calm and relaxed and. That is so much easier said than done when you're playing golf and you hit these balls in some of these different conditions and trying to to, to maintain your composure. And, and I think that's the thing that impresses me the most is that he just looks he, – he doesn't look like he's – he's unflappable. He just looks like he's he's got it all together almost all the time. And that kind of irritates you a little bit as a guy who, you know, your hair, your hair, my hair could catch on fire at any time out there. And it kind of feels, it's interesting you bring up that personality trait for Scheffler because it feels to me like Rory McIlroy has kind of gone all over the place now. And he was plus one yesterday, but I don't know what to think of what's going on with Rory. I don't either. I think this, I think you're seeing the, the mental side of golf more than anything with Rory. So Rory hit two fairways yesterday. Guys, in a major championship, if you're not putting the ball in the fairway, you can book your flight home. Mm-hmm. It'll, well, Rory will just start the jet up. But anyway, he, two fairways to shoot uh, one over par was incredible. But, you know, you, I don't know if you guys caught many of his, much of his press conferences starting the week and everything, but he's taken a completely different stance now with Liv and he's not even delving into any of the things. And he has been the face and the kind of the talking head for the PGA Tour now that Tiger is kind of, you know, rehabbing again. And I think what we saw at Augusta, he was playing better than anyone when he went into Augusta, and he he didn't even challenge for the championship that week. And I think you saw, and I think he saw, man, this thing is just kicking my butt. I'm I'm getting so involved and emotionally – uh, drawn into some of these conversations, and I think he's kind of pulling out. I mean, guys, he skipped the RBC in Hilton Head, and it cost him three million bucks because it was an elevated event. And um, you know, three million dollars, I guess, obviously, is like a dollar to to 
for him compared to you guys and I. But that's a big deal, and it gives you a, a big glimpse into what's going on. He's 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 just not right, Randy. I agree with you. He just doesn't seem right in his head. He he um I think he had thirty putts yesterday. So there were some components of his game that were really good, but typically he drives the ball great. And yesterday was not a good day for him. Well, Jay, obviously it's still early on in the PGA Championship, but just looking at the top of the leaderboard right now, there's one name that really sticks out, a rookie, Eric Cole, 34-year-old rookie. What do you make of his play so far? Well, he's got great golf lineage. You know, he come, Bobby Cole and um, um, Laura Bow, I think, are his parents, and they both, Bobby is a South African that played on the PGA Tour, and, and Laura Bow was uh, an LPGA star for quite a while, and but what's interesting, guys, is that in, back in my day, if you didn't make it by your you know middle 20s, most people just packed it up and packed it in. But what you're seeing now, because there's so much money involved, and so the stakes are higher, if you make it, it's such a bigger reward. People are hanging in there a lot longer. And Eric Cole, I, man, I, you know, he, by all accounts, he should have won the Honda. He, he wound up losing in a playoff to Chris Kirk, but he had the lead. He played with the lead, and he was really impressive. And for him to be a rookie and to be handling all that, Brooke, I was really impressed. Today is going to be an interesting day because when you're getting, when you're getting going and you're playing well, it's one thing. When you've got to go home and you sleep on it, now you're going well. You've got to answer questions about winning a major championship and winning your first event on the PGA Tour. There's a lot of mental stuff to deal with. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he um, comes out. He's a really good ball hitter, by the way, guys, his, his hitting game is impressive. And when he makes putts, it seems like he's up at the top of the leaderboard a lot. Hey Jay, who do you have coming up on your show on Sunday? With all of the live crap and all these things, I got David Faraday. I I wanted to get David on the show. He's been a buddy for a long time. and, And I wanted to, I really wanted to ask him why he went and, you know what it all means, and so I got my 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 buddy David on on this Sunday. Very nice. By the way, uh, one other note: the NCAA Division Two Women's Championship was held at Fox Run this week. The winner, Olivia Gromberg from Nova Southeastern, shot six under over at Fox Run. A couple of other golfers, Gabby Woods from Findlay and Olivia Mitchell from DBU, finishing it at minus two. And this is from long distance over at Fox Run. The the level of play of women's golf is just off the charts right now. Oh, Randy, it's so, it's so much so. And, you know, Fox Run has just been purchased by the Butrovichs, and it's going to be really interesting. David All has passed away. That golf course is an absolute sleeper. It is really, really super fun to play, and I'm so glad that they're getting some tournaments and getting some attention out there because it's really a jewel, and not too many people play it. And the, the women, man, you know, I, I said this for quite a while. For all of the men golfers out there and amateur golfers, you can learn so much more by watching the gals play because you can relate a little more to uh, how far they hit it. Now they're even hitting it further, so maybe you can't relate to how far they they hit it, but they're – their swings and things are, are just more relatable than the guys. It's kind of like watching men's tennis. I mean, I can't even keep up with the serves anymore. 130, right, 140 right. miles. I don't. I can't even see the ball. You know, so it's it's just um, that's that's not a sexist comment. It's just a, I think it can really really help you watching them play over the men. I don't think it's in uh, a female's DNA to try to swing as hard as they possibly can, like I do all the time. 
Randy, I got to tell you, so I'm the same way. We we're, I was on the Fox team, and we're doing the first women's U.S. Open, and it's at Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I was with Greg Norman and our whole team, and we're watching it. I'm like, there's not one woman, not one woman out here over swinging. I can't. So I went to the range that afternoon and hit on my eighth swing. I said, forget it. I got to go. I got to swing. I couldn't make it. I couldn't make it seven swings. I'm like, God, I can't do this. <laughs> so, ladies, Brooke, as you get started, ladies that are tuned in and are going to get into golf or get back into golf, you can beat the hell out of us just by being yourself. Okay. I, I, I don't know. I like to try to hit it as hard as I can. I know I just started, but it's fun because I like to see how far it can go. Some of so maybe I'm sound. not the best. Yes. Let me, let me hit that, hit that sweet You're on spot. our team, Brooke. We're, we, like, we like that. No doubt. Jay will be tuned in on Sunday. Thank you very much. Have a great day, guys. See ya. That's Jay Delsing with us on 101 ESPN. Next up, get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line, 314-399-9646. 314-399-9646. Take it or leave it coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, set it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646. And give us your take it or leave it. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. Grimsley and Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. Matthew Rocchio ready to take your texts on the Air Comfort Service text line. 314-399-9646. 314-399-YO-HO. Okay, Brooke, Kerry, the Cardinals have played 45 games and Nolan Gorman has been sensational so far. Now, ordinarily, he does not play defense. He's the DH. But take it or leave it, after 162 games, you will vote, based upon what you think will happen, for Nolan Gorman as the Cardinals MVP. Oh. At this moment right now, if we were if he were to I stay on the same pro- pace. Project. Just project what, what he's going to do. He will... So you, you will... You think that you'll pick him as the Cardinals' most valuable player over Goldie, over Arenado? I was going to say there's another Nolan that's doing pretty, pretty yeah, good yeah. this yeah. month, yep. especially if he can yep. continue that. Contreras. I, so yeah. you've got some choices here. I think I would have to leave that because I think it's going to be well, with the way that Arenado has been playing lately, yeah. I'm, I would say him. I'm going to have to go with Kerry on this one, too, because there's a, another Nolan who's also yeah. been on a tear as well. I'm going to leave it too. I think by the end of the year, it's going to be. <laughs> I, I think it's going to be Goldie again. Really? You just try to trap us, huh? <laughs> yeah, I did. Totally. Wow. Well, and you know what? I have an aversion, and I, it's probably really unfair because he can't help it. But I'm not a big fan of voting for a DH for MVP. Well, I mean, it's, he, it's not fair because it's the rules, and that's the position that he yeah. plays. He does lead the team in home runs and RBIs yep. and OPS and. Pretty much everything that's yeah. important in hitting. Yeah, that's why I, <laughs> I think it's a, here we are more than a quarter of the way through the season, and he's done that basically as a yeah. platoon guy, too. Yeah, he has. So you can make he's, that argument right now. He's going to play every day Yeah, from here on out. So, and I guess my question was, is he going to play every day, and is yes. he going to be able to maintain to. this sort of offense? Because if he does, he'll be... He'll be top 10 in league MVP if he has these, if you project these numbers out over the course of the full season. 
he'll be in the MVP conversation. 35 home runs? 40, I think. I, was, yeah. I, I wanted to say 40. I felt yeah. that that was a bit much, though. Well, especially if you can kind of squash this narrative of that he can't face lefties mm-hmm. well. Maybe he just didn't face enough last year, too. It yeah. didn't get as many opportunities because, guess what? You had a lefty killer in Albert Pujols, so maybe yeah. those opportunities were not necessarily there. And I don't know. I mean, that that was a good start last night, I guess I should say, for him versus a lefty. Remember on opening day, asking uh, Car- well, it was Mo. I said, you think Gorman can hit 20, 25 home runs? And he said, 35. Hmm. Yeah, they really thought that Gorman was going to have a big year, and here he's having it. Yeah, he is having it. So I was talking about the basketball game earlier. Um, Denver's playing really well. Lakers look a little tired and fatigued. Take it or leave it. Nuggets in four. I'm going to leave it. <laughs> I do think the altitude has affected the Lakers. I don't think the Lakers will lose both at home. I think they'll win a home game, but I think the series is over. Yes, I agree with that part of it. Yeah. All right. So. So take it or leave it, guys. Well, I I had two. One is funny and one is kind of serious. Mm -hmm. So I'll go with the serious one first. Take it or leave it. A Nolan will be the National League Player of the Month. Take it. But which Nolan? Hmm. It has to be Arenado, right? But not to take away from. Yes. Not to take away from Gorman, but I have a feeling it will be Mm -hmm. Arenado. Yeah. All right, my not so serious one. This kind of goes into your theory. We you've been talking about the players, you know, should get back to juicing, and I'm not talking about juice boxes or anything like that. You've been saying that <laughs> um, it's an MLB showcase night. Maybe the players aren't juicing, but the balls are juiced. Uh, yeah, joking. I'll take that. I'll take that. No, that's, well, why not? Seven, seven home runs? <laughs> it would not be out of the realm of possibility oh, for Major League Baseball to try that. Leave that. We we don't need more conspiracies. Oh, I Unless love the tinfoil hat. It's not, it's not a new one. There, people, there were articles see, started see, dropping about the see, third week of the season. Did. People see saying, what "Wait a second, are balls juicy?" See again? what you did. I Brooke. love it. All you have to do is introduce any topic that can cause. I didn't for say one, I believed them, <laughs> but you gave information as to why one would believe it. No, I'm just saying uh, there's articles. You gave information as to why one would yeah, right. believe it. What do we got on the text line, Matthew? <laughs> it's fun. Take it's it fun or leave it. it. This is the Cardinals team you expected. Take it. Leave it. I'll take it. I thought the starting pitching would be a little bit better than this. I thought Wayno did really well last yeah. night. And I did not think they'd be in last place. Libertor did really well in his start. Who am I missing? Jack Flaherty did real well, yep. really well in his Bull start. Bull Irish? Yeah. Wait, yeah. wait, hold on a second. <laughs> Jack Flaherty's now all Irish? Jack Flaherty. He's now all Irish? Well, he's, um, he's been Irish, right? right? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. And the old, it just seems like we're, we're, we're locking that nickname in? Is, yeah. Okay. Is Steven Matt's going to be gripping that ball a little bit tighter today? I would hope he doesn't, but I think he might, yes. <laughs> I think if he was watching old Matthew Libertor on the mound, yeah. Yeah, I hope he doesn't. I hope he's still up there. confident. Yeah. He's got... When, he, when he's on, well, here's he's the thing. got interesting when you, stuff. When you get $40 million, you really don't have to worry about gripping the ball too tight. No, you shouldn't. You don't have to worry about that. <laughs> Did you see Justin Verlander got booed off the mound in his first <laughs> for yeah. start? Good for him. Wow, holy cow. Fans are fickle. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals will package O'Neal, Woodford, and Avon Herrera at the trade deadline for a stud reliever. For who? Really for good. a stud reliever. Are we, are we stretching out the, the term stud with that trade? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that. O'Neal is... Hurt, mm-hmm. uh, Woodford. You took out of your rotation. He's not there. And who did you say? Herrera. Her- Ivan Herrera. Yeah. He hasn't played. And he's kind of been overwhelmed. Yeah, he's, nah. 
He played last year and didn't didn't do great. I can tell you this. Why would you think that that would be the trade that someone else would want? Yeah, right. (laughs) Two two years ago today. So May 19th, 2021. I can almost guarantee you that Wilson Contreras was not on the Cardinals' radar. And they thought that on May 19th, 2023, that Yvonne Herrera would be their starting catcher. Didn't work out that way. He's overwhelmed. He looked overwhelmed here. I hope he can become what they thought he was going to be. But if he if they thought he was going to become what they thought two years ago, then they probably wouldn't have signed a catcher for a five year eighty seven and a half million dollar contract. Correct. Yes. Either way, I think it's working out right now for the Cardinals with Wilson. Which is why they didn't sign Trey Turner. It's just yeah. Because they feel like they have someone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but uh to your point, Brooke, yeah, that's uh everything has just gone so seamlessly with that. Signing of a catcher. Well, other okay, I'm talking about right now. The other, the other the stuff H early on. The, I think I think it's fair to say that was out of Contreras' hands for for some parts yeah, I of think it. So. Uh, Take it or leave it. The Cardinals' improved defense is just as responsible for the recent wins as the offense. Take it. Uh, yeah, I'll I'll take that. Well, they had a couple of costly. Well, one costly error yeah, yesterday. Yeah, and <laughs> I was. And then you got Tommy Edmond and. A cast of characters playing in Alpha. You, a who's who. He caught the ball. I, I right. bet you there's yep. a radio station in Tampa naming At names about Cardinal or Nay. <laughs> yeah, about no. our lineup. Who, who is devil, this guy? Devil Magic. Yeah, it's <laughs> Taylor Motter. Yeah. Who? Who? Tomater. <laughs> Oscar Mercado. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. See, it's true. Also, that that collision that happened with Edmund Ooh. and Newt Bar looks so bad. Apparently, Edmund, as we know, he he exited the game. It was great that Juan Yepes was able to step in and pitch in and have a huge moment like that. But it seems like Edmund is day to day, according to the post game comments, too. Yeah. So hopefully it'll be okay. And we should note, by the way, that this year at Memphis, Ivan Herrera has an 848 OPS, which is better than what he had last year. He's kind of overwhelmed at the major league level last year, but maybe he is. Uh, making strides towards the major leagues. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should lock up Gorman before his uh, it should lock up Gorman past his arbitration years immediately. Take it because that never goes badly. No, it's, I, I'll take that as take, well. Take, take I take the, it as well too. Take the Braves approach. It, pay them while they're young. Yep. Before they can get there, buy out some of those yep. free agent years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's just remember this conversation we just had. If they do that, and then he doesn't. Continue to He's oh, Come on. So oh my God. No, I'm not saying. You I'm not saying, no. saying. I'm trying to. You're not saying as you're because. saying. It. This is, this is the Cardinal. Like, he wants Gorman to leave as a free agent. No, this is the Cardinal oh, okay, fan good. issue. Yeah, they like say, that. hey, totally. let's lock this guy up. They lock the guy up to a smart contract, and then the, he doesn't develop exactly how they expected it. Now it's, how dare you sign him to that contract those years ago? Let's just not forget this moment and do a little 2020 hindsight wah, BS three wah, years later. Who are you referring to? Uh, Paul Young. Holly D, yeah, hadn't really worked out. Colton Wong, that one, I, I like think, that deal. I, yeah, I, I, I like, I like that deal. I mean, they did it to Ledmus Diaz, didn't they? No, they, they didn't. Him. They yeah. traded him, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, the Craig one was an injury; couldn't really prepare for that one. Yeah, he was going to be a monster. If not Scotty, yeah. his yeah. mom got sick. So, I mean, they've done it a couple times, and people always complain after. Matt the Carpenter fact. was top five in the MVP a couple of years. There you go. So that's that one not bad. The last bad. extension was a little odd, but yeah. So. Hmm.
Just saying. I'm just, again. I'm not. I'm not. I don't you, want him to be bad. We, we, I want fans to be. That you don't like Nolan Gorman and you want him <laughs> you out of here. It really seems like it's like not it. that, yeah. Randy. He doesn't like anything. <laughs> He's the grumpy old man. He likes the Nuggets, guys. There you go. Oh him and Stan <laughs> sit there and think of all things Missouri and how they yep. can despise oh, it. Yeah. yeah. Cardinals. Are you a sleeper agent? This is. Are you a sleeper agent for Stan? This is slanderous. Take it or leave it. The MLB should scrap the celebrity all-star game and have the all-stars play the savannah bananas instead yeah, take, take it. it oh i, I like to see them they're they're big on the TikTok. they are they are they yeah. are fun they're the, big on the TikTok. Yeah, let's take it i've never not had fun watching one of those videos or, how, yeah, or like well, when the players fun. like break yeah. down one of the new rules or it's like a guy walks out with the bat on fire or the pitchers on stilts mm-hmm. i'm 100 for all of that i'm all in the choreographed yeah. outfield it was pretty cool yep. they did that a couple of that was pretty awesome yeah Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, John Mozilla joined BK and Ferrario yesterday. Had some interesting things to say about his starting rotation. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the Opening Drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers, an officially licensed Rolex jeweler. The Cardinal Pobo, John Mozalock, joined BK and Ferrario yesterday here on 101 ESPN. Had some interesting comments about his team and Brooks specifically about the starting rotation. And it's not just what he said yesterday, but what has come to be with the starting rotation yes. as opposed to what we thought it would be last winter. Yes. Well, and the thing is, and he even mentions this too, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But it's interesting because we have what he said during winter warm-up. So that is right after they're wrapping up everything with the offseason and where you're really kind of seeing how they approach the starting pitching market. And this is what he had to say about that. This is in January. You know, I think a lot of a lot of people had us like connected to the shortstop market, the starting pitching market, and, and candidly, we really weren't all that active in that. Now that might be a strategic mistake. And, you know, in hindsight, six months from now or a year from now, we can look back at that and say, okay, we probably should have. Or, you know, our hope is is that we are right and, and it won't be something that um, we regret. And then, as we know, we had Mose Lock on yesterday with BK and Ferrario. He was asked about that again, about how they approach the starting pitching market this offseason. I mean, obviously, uh, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? And, and to, to look back... I can say this: there were a lot of starters that we were engaged with in the off season, and I can tell you that that almost all of them have either are either on the IL now or or are not playing well. And so, like, you know, would it have been a different circumstance? Would the injury have not happened if they were with us? Like, we 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 went into this knowing that that you know, Michaelis, Flaherty, Montgomery. Wayno and Matts were going to be our five, but building some protection for that was something we, we, we definitely were trying to do. And, um, you know, we didn't do it, but, you know, hopefully somebody like a Libertor steps up and gives us that. So, you know, we'll see. I, I mean, I know like we had an awful month of April. I get it. When I look at, at our process and what we did, I still believe in it. And I still think that 
you know, this team has a chance to be good and, and will be good. And, you know, I, I'm glad we're playing better baseball now. And I hope that continues throughout the summer. Well, and also, too, I think we all are pretty aware of which starting pitchers he's talking about when it when they're talking about guys that they're looking at. Jose Quintana, they weren't going to pay, pay the price that the Mets did for him, and also Carlos Rodon. So those are two guys that have started out the season, this season, injured, which that's hard to predict, right? And maybe they had some more information, especially on Jose Quintana and maybe some of his health issues and different things like that. But I guess the question is, is this more about how engaged and active they were during the offseason when it comes to starting pitching? He said the first time they weren't engaged in the starting pitching market, and then yesterday he said they were engaged in the starting pitching market. I am confused, CD. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I think, you know, here's the thing. When you are, I guess, and this would be my assumption, if I am a general manager or president of baseball operations, I am going to do my job to make sure our team is better. But that also means I'm going to try to make sure that the guys that are here are not really frustrated. So maybe in January you can say, or December you can say, yeah, we're, we're, we're not really, we're, we're, we feel comfortable because that makes the guys that are listening, the guys' agents who are listening in, Jack Flaherty, uh, Jordan Montgomery, who are potential free agents, they're listening, their agents are paying attention to everything that's going on. Oh, yeah, we're not, they're not looking for anyone. And on the other end, after... You don't get to sign anyone. Yeah, we were looking, but unfortunately, things didn't work out the way we planned it. So we're good with the guys we have. I think both can be true. I think you can do both and 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 try to find the guys that you're looking for without disrupting the group that you have, you know, already on the roster. But also, you're trying to make that team better. And I mean, to his credit, fortunately, good luck, whatever dumb luck, bad luck, whatever it was, the guys that they were trying to get aren't even playing or aren't playing well in his words. I don't think the Cardinals were ever in on a $40 million pitcher or a $37 million pitcher. I believe what he said in January more than what we heard yesterday on BK and Ferrario. Well, because also it's most recent to him, too, because Mm -hmm. he was, I mean, they they were very candid and Moselock was very candid. They were looking for a catcher this past offseason. And to their credit, they did go do that. Now, we did have a rough patch to start this season Mm -hmm. early on. Luckily, the story has kind of panned out for him thus far, especially here in the month of May. But I don't know. Maybe I just want to know, how would you guys feel if you were able to kind of peek behind the curtain and see if the only starting pitcher that they really pursued was Jose Quintana? How would you feel about that? I'm fine with that. I would have felt fine with that. But I'm saying like like that's the one that that they should have brought back. Oh, 100%. Um, And I think when you're looking at what this roster, what this starting rotation is, you felt like the Jack Flaherty that we saw last time out was going to be the Jack Flaherty we would mm-hmm. see every time out. You felt like, and you feel like the Jordan Montgomery that you have seen mm-hmm. throughout this year, despite uh, not getting as much run support as he would like, you felt like that would be the Jordan Montgomery you would see. Miles Michaelis started off, he he was struggling to begin the season. It wasn't it wasn't great, but you're starting to see him kind of level out. And you didn't expect Adam Wainwright to be hurt for a month and a half going into the season. What you got from him last night is kind of what you expected as well. So I think you were looking to add, you know, depth and, and be one or two pitchers that could help solidify this rotation. But I don't think that they really felt like it was a, a necessity and to the tune of, as you said, paying $40 million a year for, for a starting pitcher. And let's not forget, they thought that depth would come from Dakota Hudson, who has struggled at the minor league level, and Matthew Libertor, who went five strong innings for the Cardinals on Wednesday night. 
Now you've got your sixth starter. Mo, what do you do with him? Matthew Libertor. I think everybody would agree his outing last night was uh, was great to see. Obviously, he was pitching really well down in Memphis. In terms of, of how we'll think about it now moving forward, I would imagine there'll be a point where he does get an additional start here in the short term. But we may go through uh, five guys and then uh, bake him back in. But I know our coaching staff is still going to determine that, but I think that's how we're thinking about it. And then in, in, in the short term, he might be used out of the bullpen over the weekend, but then ultimately get a start uh, down the road. And if you are going to utilize him, maybe the play is not to throw him at the so-so American ballpark, although the Reds can't hit. So he pitched Wednesday night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Monday. So he would be on pace to pitch on Tuesday at Cincinnati. So if and you could use him an inning or two maybe on Saturday against the Dodgers and still pitch him Tuesday or Wednesday. So maybe he's talking about if he misses a start, he's only delayed a day or two. Yeah, and I thought that so Ali Marmal was asked about that yesterday before the game too because I think that when you put that on social media with John Mosaylock's comments, a lot of people are like, "Whoa, wait a minute. He had a great outing. What are you talking about? You're going to put him in the bullpen." Ali said in regards to Matthew Libertor and how they're going to use him moving forward, he says he'll have another outing. We're trying to figure out how we want to line him up moving forward for the two days off that we have coming up. So I think that's more of what maybe Mosellock meant with those comments, hopefully, because I, we talked about it. Matthew Libertor deserves a chance at this starting rotation, a crack at it, especially as you're trying to figure things out as you edge closer and closer to the tra- trade deadline. And those two days off, by the way, are the 1st and 2nd, uh, the 31st of May and the 1st of June. So we're already looking next weekend, uh, literally, at those back-to-back days off for the Cardinals. I think what Steven Matz does in his next couple of starts is going to tell mm-hmm. the future as to where Matthew Libertor is in the bullpen as the the, the sixth guy or, or long reliever type guy, or if mm-hmm. he's the starting one of the starting five. It, it really boils down. That's why I said earlier, do you think Steven Matz is gripping that ball a little bit tighter knowing what uh, Libertor did on, on Wednesday? He performed extremely well in his first start of the season, and you haven't necessarily performed great throughout this entire season. And so you got a young guy that's on, the, on your heels knowing – this could be a, a last couple of opportunities for you to be a starting pitcher for the St. Louis Cardinals Matt's, this season. Yeah, sorry, CD. No, no, uh, Matt's and the Cardinals tonight against Tony Gonsolin and the Dodgers at the ballpark, 7-15, and you can see that game on Ballet Sports. That's today's Fresh Take. Coming up, we're going to head back to the Brown and Crouppen, or not the Brown and Crouppen celebrity line, it's the celebrity line with Greg Amzinger, who's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. With Brooke Grimsley and Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker, and we go to the celebrity line now. MLB Network's lead anchor, a native of St. Louis and a product of the Lindenwood University, Greg Amzinger, joins us on this glorious Friday morning. Good morning, Mr. Amsinger. How you doing? Wow, difference a week makes. It's a glorious morning. Oh, sunshine lollipops, baby. <laughs> I mean, man, I I, I, uh, I literally asked for someone to send me a Wilson Contreras jersey last night on the air. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I, you'll I get it. You'll get it. I think I will. I, I know a few people, but um, I, I just... I, 
I don't know how many times I can remind my St. Louis friends who I text with incessantly when I'm on the set, um, and Randy, you're one of them, that it's okay that all 30 teams of every season, of every single um, amazing world championship team, they've all had a stretch of two to three weeks of this marathon that is a baseball season where they are one of the worst teams in baseball. What I, not, not overall, but for two to three weeks every year, every great team has a stretch where they play as poorly as the worst team in baseball. I believe the Cardinals got that out of the way to start the year. And it happens to every team, and it looks good now. And get back to being a normal St. Louis baseball fan. The sky is not falling. Wilson Contreras can catch. He's a better hitter than Yachty ever was. And the Cardinals are good. And it's a great thing. It's a great. You're right, Randy. It's a glorious morning. Greg, one of those players that is playing really well is Nolan Gorman, uh, not only at the plate, but showing some some really good play in the field as well. What have you seen, the progression that he's made from last year to this year? It is amazing to watch a young man who's 23 years old swing his way out of being platooned, out of having no position to play, where you can clearly see he should be playing third base. I mean, that catch he made over the shoulder, shallow left field down the line was awesome last night. Look, he he doesn't get to start up until recently against left-handed starting pitchers. In Fenway, he comes off the bench. It's a home run against Kenley. In Fenway, the next night, he comes off the bench and hits a two-run double. Uh, And then all of a sudden, Julio Arias, who led the National League in the ERA last year, gets a start last night. Nolan Gorman's in the starting lineup. He swung his way out of being platooned. And that is really a credit to him. At the age of 23, to be that good, to do that at this level, to not get consistent at bats, and then when you were getting consistent at bats, the front office says Wilson Contreras is going to be our full-time DH. And good luck, Nolan Gorman, playing when you got Brendan Donovan and Tommy Edmond and Paul DeYoung is back and all these guys. It is incredible with the shuffling of the deck, if you will, that the Cardinals have had, that Nolan Gorman has been able to prove himself as an everyday player. Because that's what he is. Playing every day. I don't care what glove you give him. Someone else has to sit down. Not Nolan Gorman. He's right now the best hitter on the team. And that's with two MVP finalists last year, including the NL MVP. That is how great he's playing. And another gigantic weapon for the Cardinals as they mow down the NL Central, which is what they're going to do. Well, and also you were talking about Wilson Contreras too earlier. Can you just speak to the energy that he is bringing to this group right now? We were talking about it's like watching a big kid out there just having fun, and you can tell his teammates enjoy it too. You know, it's funny. Years ago on the show, I had a conversation with Randy, and uh, I said the Cardinals are always a talented team. But the problem is they're all a bunch of a bunch of and it's, it's, I hate saying this, but it's a bunch of guys that you hope your sister dates. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> they, they, they're all they're all a bunch of like you know Eagle Scouts, right? And 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 that what's the problem with that? They're all really respectful, show up every day on time, card away. But you need that guy that wants to fight the other team, you know. And Yachty had that in him, and it was an overlooked attribute. It just was when, when Brandon Phillips, you know, walks up and acts like everything's okay and taps your shin guards. No, it's not. Everything's not okay. Don't do that to me. Right. And then all hell broke loose years ago against the Reds. I, 
That is what Wilson Contreras brings, and that's what the Cardinals needed. And, and he is he is that at a very high level. It becomes abrasive at first. Last night was our showcase game, so on the network, because of these silly blackout rules that are eventually going away, I promise. I said that every year, but we are getting closer and closer to no blackouts. Um, we had Bob Costas in the booth, Tom Verducci, and John Morosi was down on the field, and he interviewed Wilson Contreras after the game. And I was on the set in the studio. We threw to this interview live. It was me, Dan Plesek, Pedro Martinez. It was one of the most charismatic, likable interviews. And, and John Morosi's always like that way, but it was because of Wilson Contreras' answers. He was... So um, out in the open, uh, basically admitted that he wasn't perfect. He didn't make a few mistakes. Uh, he prayed about it. Um, he, he's really thankful for the front office to still believe in him to get behind the plate. He's grateful. This, this is a very special young man. And, you know, I, I, the ultimate example of what I'm talking about is my colleague, Pedro Martinez, who I believe is the most lovable badass in baseball history. <laughs> you meet him, you love him, he giggles, he dances. He's so cute. He's amazing, right? He smells great. He smells great. But if you call timeout in the batter's box, you're wearing 98 miles an hour in the rim. <laughs> and, and, and Wilson Contreras is an example of that. And you need that. Every great team needs that. And Wilson's bringing it. Craig, that was a great uh, part of your segment with Pedro last night, WWPD. And not only <laughs> that, but the, the, the way that he, he threw it, guys. But I loved his reaction to Justin Verlander getting booed off the mound. Yes, right? I, I Look, I mean, he... He basically said, remember it. Don't forget it. He got booed off a mound one time. It was in Boston. And it was the only time he was ever booed by a home Pedro Martinez. And he remembered it vividly. And he told that story last night. I had no idea. I, I came up with this segment because you know, what, what, he's, our, he's our Charles Barkley. Let's just be honest. Pedro <laughs> Martinez. When you have so much money in a bank account, you can walk away from TV and not care, right? That's what Charles Barkley has, too. And that gives you the opportunity to say whatever you want. And you don't care. There's no filter. That. So what would Pedro do is an exciting segment because he's going to say something like this. He's going to say, Oh, if if I saw Aaron Judge peeking, I'd drill him. <laughs> okay. But he actually got like sensitive in that in that moment when Verlander got booed off the mound. He's like, Look, you're not good enough. The fans in, in, in New York will remind you of that. But he did kind of give it to Met fans. So again, he knows Met fans well that it's so early, future Hall of Famer booing isn't going to make anything better. So I appreciate that comment as well. Greg, we had a fun game yesterday on the show, and here we are in the sports industry, and we're not just completely immersed like you are. So we had a little game for Brooke and Carrie and Matthew called Ray or Nay. And I would give names of Major League Baseball players, and these guys had to answer whether or not they were a member of the Tampa Bay Rays or or another team. Are, are, is it Ray or Nay? And they might have gotten, well, no, it was less than 50%. Uh, how Who's responsible for Tampa Bay having the best record in baseball, despite the fact that they have a bunch of players that nobody knows who they are? Great players, by the way, that nobody knows who they are. Well, that's about to change because in Seattle, the Midsummer Classic, about half the American League starting lineup, if it's based on performance, will be Tampa Bay Rays. Mm -hmm. And that is funny to me because I vividly remember the last time Seattle hosted an All-Star game. It was 2001. The leadoff guy in the American League was Ichiro Suzuki. Batting cleanup was Brett Boone. Batting fifth was John Olerud. Batting seventh, Edgar Martinez. Four Mariners. 
and you can clearly see that I'm on the spectrum because I just told you the starting lineup for 2001 <laughs> American League All-Star game. Um, <laughs> but anyway, you're going to see that from the Tampa Bay Rays. Matter of fact, I don't know if the Seattle Mariners will have a position player starting the All-Star game. No one's hitting for them right now. Uh, but this is a team, the roadmap was designed by Andrew Friedman, who, of course, left for a lot of money to go to the Los Angeles Dodgers. And they kept the roadmap. Eric Neander's brilliant. I get it. Hired by Andrew Friedman. Everybody has been assembled by him. Uh, I will say that Kevin Cash is the perfect lieutenant in the dugout. I would rank him number one of all managers right now. If all 30 managers were free agents, I think he'd be the first one signed by an expansion team. That's how good he is. But as, as funny as, as it is that no one knows who these guys are, they're not operating normally, the Tampa Bay Rays. They've got guys that are not going anywhere. They're not being platooned. It's a more conventional approach to winning, and that's why they're 20 games over 500, and we're like mid-May, which is ridiculous. This kid, Josh Lowe, six foot four outfielder, he's a stud. He's not going anywhere. He's going to be in the All-Star game. Brandon Lau is going to hit 35 home runs playing second base. He might hit 222, but 35 home runs at second base is pretty impressive. Randy Rosarena is going to be the starting left fielder next to Mike Trout and Aaron Judge in the outfield for the American League. He's going to be an MVP candidate. That's how good he is. Yanni D as when he comes back, he's on pace at 47 bombs. Last year, he hit nine. I mean, it's incredible what Yanni Diaz is doing. He'll be in the All-Star game. Wander Franco is the second-best shortstop in the American League behind Bo Bichette. He's going to be in the All-Star game. This is what the Rays are. And, oh, by the way, I think Shane McClanahan's going to start the All-Star game if it's not Shoei Otani. So, the Tampa Bay Rays are loaded with All-Stars. It's not the mix-and-match platoon guys, and we're going to systematically figure it out every night. They've got, they've got dudes now, and, and I think they're the best team in baseball. Greg, I, you were talking about uh, getting booed in, in Verlander. I, did you see Tim Anderson getting booed, and he looked like he mouthed, I hate this place. Did you see that the other day? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. He needs to call Alec Bohm and immediately <laughs> immediately uh, get T-shirts made and, and monetize <laughs> this moment. I feel like he um, should. Look, he has the right. He They have had two winning seasons in his eight years there. He he has the right to feel that way, no? I completely agree with you. And and, and, and to that point, Kerry, he, he's been messed with a lot. He's not the normal baseball player. He's a throwback. He's up there to swing. He, he, he's, his all-base percentage is never good enough, according to front offices. But he's won batting titles. He hits over 300. You saw the impact he made in a must-win series like the World Baseball Classic, where Mark DeRosa immediately realized that all these guys that take pitches, well, when you're facing some of the best pitchers in the world, guess what they do? They throw strikes. So it's not, it's not helping you to not swing the bats. Tim Anderson played every day. He's playing every day. He moved to second base for, the, for Team USA. He's, he's a great player. Uh, he's a moody player. I'll say that. Um, and, and the mojo for the Chicago White Sox is not good. And I feel like we need to send a get pass, get to Tony La Russa, because what we realized, it's not his fault. <laughs> it's not Tony no. La Russa's fault. And I think they're about to completely dismantle that Chicago White Sox roster. Hey, Greg, one, uh, a couple more quick things. Number one, it appears now that the A's are definitely on their way to Vegas. And the A's in, in Oakland, and granted, this they've been in Philly, they've been in Kansas City, they've been in Oakland, now they're headed to Vegas. So they, they've kind of been a... Uh, a, a, a mercenary a group. Team. Yeah, nomad team, totally. But the history in Oakland is pretty special. It is a bummer that Oakland couldn't come up with a way, to, and I put this all on Oakland, by the way, but it's a bummer that Oakland couldn't find a way to keep that franchise. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, people uh, kind of, it reminds me of Montreal where a ballpark brands the existence. You yeah. know, Olympic Stadium was a dump, but that city of Montreal is glorious. I'll use that word again. It is amazing to go to Montreal. It's one of my favorite cities on the planet. And, and the fan base there, they love sports. But it was branded by a bad ballpark. That's so silly that that's the way we remember Montreal. And Oakland is exactly the same way. The Coliseum is an absolute dump. It's falling apart. You talk about the sewage that comes back up uh, through the drains, and it's terrible. And I get it. But it shouldn't define the fans that are addicted to their sport. I got a chance um, to voice over a Dennis Eckersley documentary, and then I hosted a like a private party for Oakland A's fans. And it was in a theater, and it had like 2,000 people in it. And it was me and Dennis Eckersley. And I, when, I, when I recite these things, like I pinch myself. I can't believe I've done certain things like this, but I – and it's me and Dennis Eckersley, and we're interacting with Oakland A's fans. And it, it was the closest thing that I saw, and I, I truly thought this way when I was up on the stage, the look in the Oakland A's fans' eyes at him and the questions that were so detailed. Like, I remember this game. I was at this game in 1989, and you had a full count on, uh, you know, on, on Mike Greenwell. And I'm listening to all this, and I'm like, these fans are the closest thing to Cardinal fans I've ever seen. I never thought I would say that. But they really, truly, the people that went to Oakland A's games were as dialed into the sport as any other fan you'll ever see. So, yeah, it is, it's a bittersweet thing because while I, I'm sad for those Oakland A's fans, it is a complete embarrassment for the sport of baseball to have a structure that looks like that with no one in the stands. Baseball is a first-class sport, and we need all of our venues to be high-end. And that's what we're going to get in Vegas. And last thing, last time we talked to you, you were talking about being able to walk over to play golf. Have you, have you got that setup going yet? I do. I do. There's a hole. There's a hole in the fence that divides the property. And this is ridiculous, but <laughs> that divides the property of the hotel and the pool area of my country club. And it says no trespassing. But here you see Greg Amsinger with my cheesy golf clothes on and my really pasty, bad, skinny legs carrying my golf bag as I walk through a fence. I'm like, and there's like high grass, and I'm walking through the parking lot, and I cross through the fence, and there'll be these like, you know, these people playing paddle, and they're like looking at me going, should we call security? What is this guy doing? But I'm hell-bent on walking through because I want to enjoy the fact that this situation is as unfortunate as it is. It's yearly your field of dreams of golf. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, you know, please, I hope they don't call security on me because I want to continue to walk. I want to walk from my hotel to my first tee box. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. You're the man. Hey, have a great weekend. Thanks so much for the time. We'll talk to you soon. We appreciate it and take care. All right, guys, go Cardinals. Uh, says Greg Amsinger, lead anchor of MLB Network. <laughs> the, the very uh, objective Greg Amsinger Indeed. joining us on 101 Indeed. ESPN. we got to get him a Contreras jersey, right? Yeah, that's good. If the Cardinals have not done that, do it. Get to Greg a Contreras jersey to wear on the air on MLB Network. Brooke. Kerry, Matthew, Randy, and the fight, and somebody just did not want to play a second oh. time. Oh, he's no, actually he's, in. He's, he's back. He's a gamer. Good. I We're like this. Said, yeah, this he's is in. what I like to hear. <laughs> Going for the Hall of Fame, right? Oh, yeah. Next on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the fight in the red corner, average Joe listener. And in the blue corner, the undisputed king of morning drive. Please welcome Randy Carricker. Welcome back to the opening drive. This is Kerry Davis and joined by Brooke Grimsley. And it is time for the fight. And our fighter today, again, going for a Hall of Fame opportunity, is Ryan. Ryan, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing well. We got a text a little bit. I got a little worried this morning. You said you weren't going to be able to make it, but I see you're ready to roll. Yeah, I'm out on the golf course, so I wasn't sure if I'd be able to answer or not. So. <laughs> I, I appreciate you taking the time. This is extremely important. Hopefully yes. you hit them straight as well. All right, here we go. There are only two players in the NFL Hall of Fame who were sele- selected to one or less Pro Bowls. Ray Nitschke is one, but which Super Bowl MVP winning running back is the other? Is it Larry Zonka, Otis Anderson, or John Riggins? I uh, Let's go Anderson. Last night, Wilson Contreras became the 15th different Cardinal to hit multiple three or four run homers in a single game. Who is the last one to do it, achieving the feat with a grand slam and a three run shot versus the Brewers in 2019? Is it Paul Goldschmidt, Marcelo Zuna, or Matt Carpenter? Ozuna. There are three players to be drafted number one overall in the NBA draft while coming straight from high school to the NBA. LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and who else? Is it Emeka Okafor, Daryl Dawkins, or Kwame Brown? Oh, boy. Mm. Kwame Brown. Who set the PGA Championships aggregate record when the event was held at Bell Reef Country Club in 2018? Is it Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, or Jason Day? Kepka. All right, we will double check those scores. We will bring in Randy Carricker. All right, Ryan, how you feeling? Uh, just like yesterday, not too good. More importantly, how's the golf game going so far? Uh, it's been a little. It's not. It's a bit shaky, to say the least. My focus has been a little elsewhere. So. <laughs> I can understand that. Hopefully your 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 partners that are with you understand how important this day is for you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Randy, say hello to Ryan again. He's on the golf course. He called oh, in because Ryan. this was important. Yeah, where are you playing, man? A uh, buddy of mine is a member at Bogey Hills, so I'm out of Bogey Hills. Very nice. Very nice. Yeah. I, I was going to play at Bogey Hills this afternoon. I don't know if I'm going to because it's going to rain. Oh, no. Yeah, we'll find out. All well, right, Randy. Can, the course is in great shape. Like to hear it. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, well, uh, it's a coin flip for me right now. <laughs> All right, but have fun. Hit them well. Thank All right, you. Randy, you ready? Yes. All right, there are only two players in the NFL Hall of Fame who were selected to one or less Pro Bowls. Ray Nitschke is one, but which Super Bowl MVP winning running back is the other? Super Bowl winning MVP running back, one or fewer Pro Bowls. In the Hall of Fame? Yep. Well, hmm, Carrie. Let's see. Terrell Davis is in the Hall of Fame, but I think he made more than one Pro Bowl. 
Uh, Super Bowl. I think I meant Smith probably made more than one Pro Bowl. I don't think. Hmm. I don't think that Barry Sanders has only one Pro Bowl. I don't think he won a Super Bowl MVP either. Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> That's true. I don't think that Timmy Smith either won the Super Bowl MVP or wound up in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. I think Joe Theismann might have won, but he wasn't running back. So you know what I'm going to do? What are you going to do, Randy? I'm going to say, hail to the Redskins, hail victory, Braves on the warpath, fight for old D.C. I'm going to go with John Riggins, Super Bowl MVP for the uh, Washington Redskins, who's in the Hall of Fame. I, I know my Redskins history. Come around back. How did, how, I, I would. I just. I we know, need to. I know my Redskins history, baby. <laughs> we need to. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Do the fight with him hooked up to like yeah. a brain sensor. Yeah, yeah. A brain scan. Like a brain scan. That's a great that idea. <laughs> All right. Last night, Wilson Contreras became the 15th different Cardinal to hit multiple three or four run homers in a single game. Who was the last one to do it? Achieving the feat with a grand slam and a three run shot versus the Brewers in 2019. I think Goldie might have done it in the second game of the season or something. I'm going to go with Paul Goldschmidt. The second game is a Cardinal, too, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. 2019, right. yeah. I'm going to go with Goldie. Okay. There are three players to be drafted number one overall in the NBA draft while coming straight from high school. LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and who else? LeBron James, Dwight Howard. Okay. Um... I think I know this one. I know I know that. Okay. <laughs> Kerry, who's the official basketball player of this show? Oh, Michael Jeffrey Jordan. How's he as an executive? Eh, meh. <laughs> he did take Kwame Brown with the number one pick in the draft. <laughs> that great. As a businessman, he is stellar. He I is. Just... I'm going to go with the Kwame Brown taken by Michael Jeffrey Jordan with the Wizards. <laughs> Who set the PGA Championships aggregate record when the event was held at Bell Reef Country Club in 2018? Well, Brooks Kepka won the tournament, so I'm going to go with Brooks Kepka. A Hall of Fame membership on the line and a golf game interrupted. Was it enough for Ryan to come in and take the crown from Randy Carricker? Or do we go into the weekend? With Megamind back on top, ring that bell. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. I'm so sorry, Ryan. You heard Mr. Buck, and that means Randy got all four correct. He beat you four to two in today's fight. Uh, no worries. Felt pretty fortunate to get all the way through from yesterday. So. There we go. Thank great you so job, much Ryan. for joining us on the links, and great job. Let's go through all those answers. You heard them from uh, Randy. Are you still singing Hail to the Redskins? You are still. Okay, and it is, in fact, John Riggins, one of the only two players to get into the Hall of Fame with set post-1950 um, with only one or less Pro Bowl, John Riggins and Ray Nitschke. Do you think you're going against Tommy Nobis and uh, Dick Buckus trying to get in the Pro Bowl? In in that era, pretty for, tough. For Ray oh, shout out to Ray Nitschke, though. ILL. 
And the thing is, Regan's got his early, like his third or fourth year. Rishke didn't get his till his like his ninth, his ninth or tenth. Yeah, Regan's uh, was he league. did it with the Jets, right? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, last night, Wilson Contreras became the fifteenth different Cardinal to hit multiple three or four home runs in a single game. The last one to do it was Paul Goldschmidt. Randy, it's crazy to me that you pulled out an incredible game. Paul Goldschmidt hit three home runs in his second game for the Cardinals. But for just five RBI, it was actually late in September mm. when he launched a grand slam and a three-run shot in a seven RBI performance. But it was, in fact, still Paul Goldschmidt, who set the uh, PGA Championships aggregate record when the event was held at Bell Reef Country Club in 2018. It was, in fact, Brooks Kepko when he won it. The reason why there's a little difference there is that Bell Reef played at a 70 par. Most PGA Championship courses played at 72. Jason Day owns the to par record in PGA Championships, 20 under, Kepka owning the aggregate record at Bell Reef Country Club. And the only three players to be drafted, number one overall in the NBA draft, LeBron James, Dwight Howard, and in fact, Kwame Brown. Thank you very much, Michael Jordan. A 4-2 win for Randy Carricker in the fight today. Thank you so much again, Ryan, for joining the show today. Uh, Ryan's out of here. Ryan, Ryan's gone. Yeah. Ryan, he gone. He's yeah. golfing. Uh, yeah. Good for him. Kwame could have been better if he didn't end up there with the greatest player of all time. Was there a better player in that draft? I don't even recall the draft aside for the disaster that was Kwame Brown. Because everybody, because Michael took him, remember, everybody thought he's going to be great because Michael yeah. took him. But I don't know if there was a better player that Michael could have selected in that draft than Kwame Brown. 2000, well, Jalen Rose, I think. No, he hmm. wasn't in that draft. That was 94. Uh, Tyson Chandler. No. Who was in that draft? 2001. Um... You got Tyson Chandler, Pau Gasol. Pau would have been better. Eddie Curry, yeah, Shane no. Battier. Jason Richardson was pretty good. Yeah. Um, there aren't any Hall, of, right, fame Hall of Fame. Zach Randolph. It's not a it's not a heavy loaded draft. Tony Parker was drafted late, but I'm sure that was He wasn't going number one overall, nah. right? Richard Jefferson, he was really good in uh at Arizona, but first overall. Hey, there this isn't this is not a no, great draft. Yeah, not a great draft at all. So, Kwame, Gilbert Arenas was taken 31st overall. But he was... You weren't taking him first overall. Had, he, he had other issues. Yeah, absolutely. Coming up next on 101 ESPN, we've got our bird watch. Stick around. It's the opening drive. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. All right, we've got a quick Bird Watch for you here on 101 ESPN. Who's going to go first? Your carrier, book carrier. I'll go first. Okay, and I will start with catcher slash DH slash outfielder slash catcher. Wilson Contreras. <laughs> he has been performing extremely well. Got the start last night for Adam Wainwright. Adam went five and two-thirds, uh, two earned runs. And I, I, the thing that was most intriguing to me, I don't know if you all caught this, after Nolan Gorman hit his home run uh, in the bottom of the eighth inning, Wilson Contreras, everyone went in the dugout was celebrating. Wilson Contreras had his card out preparing for the top of the ninth inning. They were up. 16 to 8 at that point. They were they were cruising along, but he wasn't a part of the celebration. It was him being dialed back in to what I assume the Cardinals have been asking him for. Preparation, planning, you know, pre- preparation, pre-game, in-game and and you know, for each at bat, knowing what pitches need to be thrown, who's coming up, how we want to attack them. And I when I saw that video, uh that just it just kind of clicked for me that he is dialed into what's being asked of him and it really 
leads to to answering some of those questions that were were being asked earlier in the season as to you know why he wasn't performing the way that they wanted him to. So my my bird watches for Wilson Contreras just continuing to do what he's doing both at the plate and behind the plate. He is going to be an all-star this year. Mark it down. Okay. And he is going to be a star for the St. Louis Cardinals for many years to come. And I believe the Cardinals, with the departure of Albert and Yachty, mm-hmm. and this is with no disrespect to Arenado and Goldschmidt, but I believe that there was somewhat of a leadership void in that room among the position players. And I think that Wilson Contreras is finding a way to, maybe not slowly, but surely, fill that leadership void. I, I view him as I watch the club as a leader. Yeah, I, I do too. Especially, I can understand it's really hard coming in after Yadier Molina and you're new. So these guys have already known each other for a little bit. It might be hard to just step up and you know be a voice and a leader that early on. But it seems like he has really, really gained the trust from the guys right now too. And they appreciate every little thing that he's doing. All these little nuances. Mm-hmm. You see how I use the word nuances? Like, the little like nuances that. that he's bringing to the yeah, game. I'm glad that we recognize nuance on this show. <laughs> Well, my bird watch is going to be Oscar Mercado. What a debut for him last night. I think if you didn't have all the homers, then you would be we would talk we would talk about him, right? Because it was just such a great performance in his Cardinals debut. It was 10 years in the making. He knocked 3 hits, scored 3 runs. He also stole home. I think he had 2 steals on the night too. Mm-hmm. But it was just a great performance to hit from him and it seems like he has a lot of value. He can play the outfield too, but also he has started his career as a shortstop as well. It seems like this might be a good situation for the Cardinals right now because especially after that situation with Yepes last night in out in left field um yeah I don't know I, I'm just saying it kind of it feels like this is a huge opportunity for him and he said you know even before the game this is the first team that ever believed in me and I'm forever grateful for that and I felt like you could feel that in his play too and don't you love the idea of even if he's not starting having that speed to be able to come off the bench yes. because yes. the Cardinals don't have that guy say so you say okay he is the natural pinch runner when we get a runner on in the late innings and he's I, I would think the fastest guy on the team now, he and Edmund probably, and so you can bring him off the bench if he's your fourth, fifth outfielder. He is, to me, a much more serviceable player for your ball club than Toe Mater, who we dearly love in this room. Well, most of us do. But <laughs> Three I, out of four? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I would rather, I know I would rather have uh, Mercado as that guy, the 26th player on the team. I think he just has more tools for that job. And you're going to yes. need him now, especially with the injuries piling up in the outfield. Yeah. As I said earlier, Tommy Edmond, day-to-day now. Mm-hmm. Dylan Carlson, uh, he's on the I.L. Tom, to, um, Tyler <laughs> O'Neill on the I.L. You got some guys that are banged up in that outfield. I'm assuming that you're going to probably put Brendan Donovan in left field, put Mercado in, in right field, and then uh, Nolan Gorman is probably going to be your second baseman and DeYoung at shortstop for the foreseeable future. I would think so. One more little bird. There's my bird. I asked Ali Marmol yesterday how important off the field Adam Wainwright is to this club. And he said extremely important. He said that's why we wanted to bring him back for his final year. And the Cardinals are 9-3. and three. 
since Adam Wainwright returned, and they've won nine of their last 11. I don't believe that's a coincidence, Brooke and Carrie. I think that Adam Wainwright and his ability to bring people together, to coalesce, to help forge a unit, and just get people pulling the rope in the same direction makes a huge difference. I think that that sort of leadership ability, and I, I mentioned Wilson Contreras, but I think the leader of this team, because he's been here and he has so much pride in the organization and has been on a winner, I think Adam Wainwright is much more of a linchpin to this team's success than we gave him credit for before he was gone from the clubhouse. When he was gone from the clubhouse, things kind of frayed, and he gets back, and then all of a sudden everything is working together and in sync. So thank goodness they brought Waino back and that he is back on the team and healthy again. Yeah, I think it was obviously extremely important for him to get back get back into that clubhouse, be the voice that, that people could listen to and lean on. Um, my, my only concern and question going forward would be he has said this is his last year, so who in that clubhouse is going to take that leadership role going forward? Be that veteran, be that person that people can come to when they have an issue or, or complaints, concerns, whatever it is that they can ask and talk to and, and get the right uh, leadership to help that team continue to be the best that they can be. And one of the things Ali said is they want their young players to observe Wayno, but I think it's an important thing for them as an organization to go to young players that are going to be here and go to a Matthew Libertor and say, watch what he does. If you plan on having Flaherty back, and I know Jack has watched Adam a lot, but not don't just watch the pitching part of it, but watch the way he interacts with people. Watch the way that he goes about his business on a daily basis, because that should be the person that you want to emulate on and off the field. And hopefully the Cardinals will have people that will do that, that can assume that leadership role once Adam Wainwright is gone. That's our bird watch here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, our rush hour reset, a big win for the Cardinals with lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of home runs. They, they hit more home runs last night than they hit in 1982 when they won the World Series. It's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. With Brooke Grimsley and Kerry Davis, I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Did a cursory check of the 1982 Cardinal season. That team won the National League pennant and, of course, won the World Series. And the quickest that they achieved seven home runs, they did it on two different occasions, between March 2nd, one, two, three, four, five, six, between March 2nd and, or I'm sorry, May 2nd and May 7th, they hit seven home runs in five games. And then... In the following game, the May 3rd to uh, May 8th, they hit seven home runs in five games. That was the quickest by far, by the way, that the 1982 Cardinals, who hit 67 home runs, hit seven home runs. Last night's Cardinals hit seven home runs. It took five games for the 82 team to hit seven. Mm-hmm. It took one game for last night's 19, or 2023 Cardinals to hit uh, seven home runs. You're saying those rosters were uh, constructed a little differently? Ballpark was, uh, con- <laughs> it was 385 in the alleys. It was 414 to center. It was 365 down the line. It was crazy. 
but it was uh, fun to watch, I'll tell you that. But last night was fun as well as the Cardinals rolled the Dodgers 16-8. to And uh, let's just go through how much fun it was. Uh, Wilson Contreras... Uh, is if you want him to be a DH, he can be a DH. If you want him to be a catcher, he can be a catcher. But the big thing is, if you want him to be a hitter, as he showed in the third inning, he can be a hitter. Fly ball center. That ball is well hit. That ball is not coming back. A mammoth home run, and the Cardinals have the lead. 3-2 at that point. Juan Yepes homered, and Nolan Gorman also hit a third inning home run. Cardinals with four in the third inning. Line drive deep right center field. That's on the run. That one's going to go too. Chip Carey the call on Bally Sports Midwest. The Cardinals built the lead to 9-2. to two. The Dodgers got it to within 9-8. to eight. But then in the eighth inning, the Cardinals added a few more runs. And Wilson Contreras did it again. Fly ball right center. Well hit. It's carrying. And so Contreras has his second of the night, and Nolan Gorman says, oh, yeah, buddy? I like, I, I think that should really be a game plan. You see Ollie talking to Hicks. Gorman drives this one deep center. That one to the track and wall. Alvin leaps in. He can't get it. So you had two from Contreras. You had two from Gorman. You had one from DeYoung. You had one from Arenado. You had one from Yepes. You had seven on the game for the Cardinals. Yeah, I mean, Nolan Gorman, too. Of course, there's a lot of uh, stars from last night, but Nolan Gorman, he has 12 homers for the year, tied for third in the National League, and his 36 RBIs ranked second in the league. Two more than Nolan Arenado. He is just the breakout star right now for the Cardinals. Storm and Gorman. Does that nickname work? Does it stick? I like it. I like I'm, it, too. I'm good with it, too. Okay, yeah. so let's make it official right here. Storm and Gorman. Storm and Gorman. Official nickname for Nolan for Gorman. Uh, good enough performance by Adam Wainwright. He gives the Cardinals five strong innings. Uh, he actually went more than five, but uh, he did what he needed to do. Five and two-thirds. He allowed five runs on five hits. He struck out one and walked three. Then Cabrera came on. He allowed three runs, had a rough time of it. But Verhagen... Chris Vanderha, no, Chris uh, Drew Verhagen, <laughs> oh. uh, Jordan Hicks with a scoreless inning, Chris Stratton with a scoreless inning, and the Cardinals win by a score of 16-8 to eight tonight. Hopefully they'll score 16 again because Steven Matz is on the mound yeah. for the Redbirds. Ooh. Let's do that. That'll help. Yeah, I, I he'll told, be opposed by, uh, sorry, Tony Gonsolin for the Doyers. I was, um, we, we talked about this yesterday. It was a point where it felt like whatever reliever they brought in, um, would blow up, I think, and and Cabrera was the only one to this point that hadn't had, you know, one of those innings. It was it was interesting. BT right before the pitch before uh, Freeman hit that home run, he said, "I I wouldn't pitch that there again," <laughs> and he put it right pretty much in the same spot, and it was uh, it was gone. <laughs> and so it it was a little bit of foreshadowing. BT uh, wouldn't wouldn't pitch it there if I were you, <laughs> and clearly he knew uh, better than Cabrera did in that moment because it was it was out of the park but you know all in all the way that the Cardinals almost gave up the lead they allowed the the Dodgers to get back into the game but then they were able to add to that lead and and really put it out of the put it out of reach late in that game I think that that's just a a really good ball club that is figuring yeah. some things out, you know, offensively and defensively. I think, too, Wilson Contreras, the way that he just started out that game, too, and kind of continued that energy, I feel like that has to do a lot for the guys as well, too. 
right? I mean, it it just has to. The way that he consistently helped at the plate, and it felt like, and I think he even said this afterwards to reporters, he likes to play like his hair's on fire. And, And that's what you feel like, that constant energy where it makes you feel like you're not out of the game necessarily, even when it got so close there in the end. You hope, to your point, CD2, that that was just kind of a one-off thing for Hennessy's Cabrera. I have a pro tip for Steven Matz tonight. Okay. Just walk Freddie Freeman. Freddie Freeman in his career, 150 plate appearances at this Bush Stadium. 150 plate appearances. He has nine homers, 27 RBIs. His batting average at this ballpark is 387. His on base at this ballpark is 493. His slug at this ballpark is 686 for a 1.179 OPS. My suggestion is walk Freddie Freeman. Don't pitch to him at all? Don't pitch to him. Why bother? You know he's going to hit a home run for you. Yeah, against he's, you. He's he's pretty good. He's 48 for 124 <laughs> at, at the stadium. He, he doesn't he doesn't miss. Like no. he even versus lefties, he still has an OPS of 932. Like he's he's pretty good yeah. this year and every year. He is remarkable and here and by all accounts a really good guy too. Don't you think that Jordan Montgomery is just like a little jealous sitting there watching mm-hmm. what unfolded last night? Just like, come on. Yeah. What are you guys ever just hit for me for like me. that? <laughs> Absolutely. No doubt about it. And the Cardinals have won 9 of 11, and they've climbed out of the National League cellar. Congratulations, yes. kids. Uh, and, and now they're within a game this weekend. The Cardinals could move out of the cellar of the division. So, Things are happening around the ballpark. All we had to do is listen to Mo and be patient. Guys, gals, hate to tell you, hate to tell you, because a lot of you don't want to believe it. John Mozalak knows more about building a baseball team than you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, 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 that doesn't yeah. lead us to have any questions about some of the uh, transactions or lack thereof yeah. at times. But he's got the number 14 team in the National League now. Well, I mean, he, he does Randy. have a team in the National League. We don't. <laughs> so true. There's, there's that. He's yeah. got that going for him. I'm just saying they, they could make a huge jump. Okay, so the Nationals are now in last place in the league. The Cardinals are just a game behind the Padres. Uh, they could jump Tonight, the Rockies, Reds, Cubs, and Padres. Mm-hmm. And how would you like to be a Padres fan watching what's going yeah. on? If you think it's bad here, well, I don't know. Or a Mets you, fan, you're too, saying, for yeah. that matter. You're saying spending all that money and not having success would lead fans to uh, it's kind of anarchy? It I, just... I, I, anarchy! <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think, I think Sports Talk Radio in San Diego... Hey, dude, I'm really upset about the Padres. I think I might have to go surfing today. Is that how, they, is that <laughs> yeah, how the sports yeah, radio goes? Yeah. I'm not going to Petco, dude. I'm going we should, surfing. We should, we should. We got the call a couple of weeks ago from the Bruins, mm-hmm. from Boston when the yeah. Bruins lost. We should get some calls from some franchises, from some cities that are stinking up, stinking it up as well. I yeah. bet the Padres will be maybe a little bit more laid back. We talked about that. Like San Diego is just kind of a little mm-hmm. bit more laid back. Also, they're getting like an MLS team, so yeah. I'm sure that's dominating the headlines. I want to tap into what it's like in New York with the Mets going on. I saw, it felt like social media imploded yesterday when it it came out that the Mets were calling up Gary Sanchez. And it's like, man, there's a lot happening over there. That's a big payroll. Same thing with the Yankees, too. When you sign Justin Verlander and he gets booed off the mound at his very first home start, that says something about the way they're feeling. That is today's Rush Hour Reset on 101 ESPN. Coming up, the PGA Championship is underway. Kind of a surprise 
leaderboard right at the top. And our friend Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic is going to join us to talk about it next year on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. championship is underway in upstate New York and an interesting leaderboard. Bryson DeChambeau and Dustin Johnson of the Live Tour are right there at the top. Brooke Grimsley, Kerry Davis, Randy Carricker. Joining us in studio is the executive director of the Ascension Charity Classic coming up in September here in St. Louis. Nick Ragone. Nick, always good to see you. How are you doing? It is always fun to be here, particularly in person, to see the whole gang. Mm-hmm. Love it. And I know that uh, we, we aren't surprised by the leaderboard, maybe surprised by the physique of Bryson DeChambeau right now. <laughs> uh, he looks like he's getting ready for a bodybuilding contest. Uh, it's hard to keep up with his weight fluctuations. He went from 240 pounds at beefy to now about 210 pounds, he said, and he went on a new diet. He still hits it just as long, though. Um, he's an amazing... Look, if anybody had Bryson DeChambeau on their bingo card, they're lying. He has not been playing <laughs> good golf. But, you know, when he won at Wingfoot, it's a very similar course. Also in New York, super long, straight ahead, deep rough. You can bomb and gouge it at Oak Hill. So if he's playing good golf, um, which, you know, he shot a great round yesterday. Let's see if he's consistent. If he hits the driver straight, uh, he could absolutely win. You talk about uh, performing well and not performing well. John Rahm, who is six over right now, what do you think, what's going on with him? He's he, That's very surprising. That is a total head scratcher. So I don't think anybody's played better golf. Maybe maybe Scotty Scheffler than Rahm in the last 18 months. And talk about a course suited for him. Long, deep, rough, straight away, large greens. I mean, I had him automatically, he and Scheffler, in the top four or five. I'm absolutely shocked by that. Now, look, I think the cut's going to probably be four or five over. If he shoots two, three under today, which he, he can, he'll be right there. I think the winning score is only going to be four, five, six under. They're not going to go crazy here. So, Rom's not out of it, but if you told me the one storyline that made no sense to me, Rom shooting 76 and DeChambeau leading, like those mm-hmm. are two things nobody had on their bingo card. Yeah, well, and DeChambeau, too, I just wanted to touch on that, too. That's why they call him the scientist, right? Because he had a physics degree. So it seems like he's maybe using some of that to to the that knowledge to the test right now. But also, I wanted to ask you, too, we, we talked to Jay about this earlier with the weather. They've been dealing with some frost in the mornings. It is cold. I'm a New Yorker. Upstate New York this time of year, it's essentially Canada. It is really cold. <laughs> so if you remember, they scheduled this PGA when the PGA was still in August, and then they moved it to May to accommodate the PGA Tour schedule. So this is not naturally in a, a May course. It's very cold. Ball's not traveling. It's long. It's soft. And DeChambeau is the scientist, but many would call him the mad scientist. He tries a lot of different things. Look, he is he's changed the game. I mean, he's made the game. He's certified it that it's a power game. I think he's gone through some health issues. But it's it, look, it's good for the game of golf to see the live guys up there. You got uh, DJ who's playing really well. He won last week. You got DeChambeau. You remember at the Masters you had Phil, Patrick Reed, and Brooks Kepka. I think it's good for the sport to have some of those big names from Liv back on top. One big name that is not there is Tiger Woods. You talked about the cold and that possibly being, but also just having surgery. Uh, what's the diagnosis or what are we looking forward to seeing? When are we looking forward to seeing Tiger again? You know, I think Tiger's done for this year. He might try to play the father-son. You know, what's interesting is he had the surgery to alleviate arthritic pain. It wasn't to cure the ankle itself. Um, he is, look, he can hit the ball. He just can't walk. If you saw him at the Masters, it was hard to watch him limping around. By 14 or 15, he just 
gets tired and he's in a lot of pain. And so I think this surgery is a last effort to A, get a quality of life so he's not in pain, and B, to stabilize that foot. I really believe, I said this last time when I was here, I've spoken to Tiger directly. When he turns 50, he intends on playing the Champions Tour because he gets a cart. Um, I'm not sure we're going to see him in any more majors. I mean, he really limped badly at Augusta. And even if he's hitting the ball well, he cannot stand his feet for four hours. And so I'm not sure we'll see him playing majors again. Would it benefit him to really take time off? He's notorious for working hard, for getting back out there, for getting back into the grind, but not really taking time to let his allow his body to heal. Would that be beneficial to him? I think that's what I, I think so. And I think the surgery is his way of saying, okay, I'm shutting it down. You know, he still has back pain, by the way. Uh, what's amazing is if you saw it at the Masters, his ball speed got up to 180 miles per hour. To put that in context, that's what Justin Thomas hits it. And that's what the longer players on tour. So he still hits it. He's just an enormous pain and discomfort in walking. And I think if you see him playing in the PNC in the cart, he hits it great. And so I really think when he turns 50, he's going to play a full-time schedule on the Champions Tour. I just don't think he could be a regular on the PGA Tour because he cannot walk for five hours on these courses. He can't physically can't do it. Nick Ragone from the Ascension Charity Classic is here. And Nick, you made an interesting point about this uh, tournament being played at Oak Hill, the PGA. But the move from August to May for the PGA Championship might have an effect on where they actually play the tournaments in the future. Yeah, I mean, site selection is going to be much different going forward. You really can't go to the Northeast in May. A, the weather is unpredictable, and B, it's, it's really cold. And so I think, you know, we stand well. Belle Reve, um, courses that are a little further south, you're going to see many more PGA championships in the Southeast and the Southwest, I think here in Missouri. Maybe in Chicago at Medina. You know, Chicago this time of year is a little hit or miss. Uh, but it's hard to hold these events in the North Northeast where it's cold and I think they hadn't accounted for that when they moved the schedule and look I think Oak Hill is going to be a great championship but you know for people who have a tight back or are a little bit older this cold weather doesn't help I mean you want to play in that hot where it eases up your muscles and so I do think it makes the dynamic of the PGA a little bit different the other thing it does Randy is it compresses that major schedule you got Augusta then right on top of the PGA and then right on top of the US Mm -hmm. Open so if you get on a hot run you could quickly win three majors but conversely if you're playing poorly you run through those majors really quickly struggling well, and also the weather's always nice. It feels like for the Ascension Charity Classic, you'll be proud of me, Nick. I've actually started to work on my golfing game. Yeah, and so how's that I, coming? It's it's coming. I, we're still in the very early stages, but I'm I'm hoping that by this fall I can maybe be out there. Can we get you in the pro am on the Tuesday? Can I get a commitment? <laughs> okay, I'll try to. Yes. I'll try to take more right, lessons. That, Randy said yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Okay, I have okay. my foursome, so I got you in that already. Okay, there good. You go. I, got, I got one more on my Tuesday foursome. To, if Steve Sratt's listening, my foursome so far we got Brooke. Okay, good. Go. All right, we're, at least we're starting somewhere, and that'll, that'll give me like a goal maybe too uh, of something yeah, to get try your game to accomplish. In shape. You just got to be serviceable. Like it's uh, it's a lot of fun. look. Anybody, your listeners know this, Jay Delsing knows this, anybody that's ever played in a Champions Tour Pro-Am is about as much fun as you can have on a golf course. You're mm-hmm. playing with the pros, they're giving you tips, it's a low-pressure situation, and these guys are funny and they're charming, they help you. I mean, last year, 
And I always play with Paul Stankowski on Tuesday, one of the great guys on tour. And he helped my playing partners. I mean, he was giving them playing lessons the whole round. And it, it, they, they still talk about it. It was so much fun. Nick, That's my cool. goal when I play is to only lose two balls. Now, that doesn't mean they're <laughs> all on the fairway. That means I'm really good at finding my ball when it gets, you know, in some high grass area. But is that a, is that a good way to go about it? I mean, that's a way <laughs> of going about it. Look, I, but here's the thing. If you hit it in the water, please tell me you're not going oh, in there no, looking no, no, for no. it. Okay. If it's in the water, in it's the, gone. The weeds I, I'm not going in there. Like, don't do that in Florida. If you hit it in the weeds, there's alligators and snakes. Like, you could do that at Norwood, but you... Uh, that's a goal. I don't know if it's a good goal, but it's a it's a goal. <laughs> it's a goal, yeah. it's a goal for and sure. Your field gets better and better every year, and last year you had a stellar field for the second year. By the way, this year, September 5th to 10th, and you can get tickets for the Ascension Charity Classic at ascensioncharityclassic.com. But you really have to be happy with, A, the group of guys that you had last year, and I know most, if not all, of those guys are coming back. Yeah, they're coming back, and this year we're adding Stuart Sink, who turned 50. He turns 50 in June, and he's already committed to the field. Noda Begay third, who's... Tiger's best friend. Also won four times on tour. Great player. Um, Justin Leonard's one of our brand ambassadors. He's been playing really well this year. David Toms, our inaugural champion, has won twice this year, which I take credit for, and is leading the Schwab <laughs> Cup. Um, it's, so the field is going to be stacked. They uh, And the person I'm working on is Freddie Couples. Freddie's played a lot this year so far. Uh, it's always up to his back. He has a fickle back. I know um, our good friend Jay Delsing and, and others have lobbied him. So we're going to continue to lobby Freddie. He's really the the one player. He and Miguel Angel Jimenez haven't played. And I think Miguel is going to play this year. We really want Freddie to play. But we're so blessed that these guys love Norwood. Mike Knoll, the, the superintendent, does an amazing job. They say it's the best greens they play all year. It's their biggest crowds. And it reminds them, Ernie L said this and Longer and Stricker, it reminds them of playing on the big tour with the crowds, uh, with the build-out, with the speed of the greens. And they really love that. I mean, these are superstars who are used to playing in front of large crowds. And so we're very blessed to have a marquee event in year three. And I can tell you, because uh, obviously I've been there the, the first couple of years, it, it's like... Well, it's not like it is a big time event. When the players come, this looks like a regular tour event. And to be involved from a signage standpoint, from a support standpoint, from a corporate standpoint, is a great thing because there's just so much of St. Louis that's involved with what you're accomplishing out of Norwood. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis has an extraordinary business community. You know, every year we, we have three days of pro-ams now. We have more hospitality, more cabanas, more sponsorships, and virtually any event on the PGA Tour Champions. And, and we build it out. Every year it gets bigger because we have, it sells itself. People say, you know, how's it going? And at this point, we have an amazing staff, Steve Spratt and Tim Heitman. But the event, people know what it is. It's a great couple of days. We've been blessed with amazing weather, and hopefully that run will continue and it's turned into a marquee sports event in this town and on the tour in two and a half years and that's pretty cool awesome hey who do you got winning this weekend by the way uh, I, I like Scotty Scheffler I know that's not like going out on a limb but that guy just looks like a world beater um I'd like to see Dan- I like Bryson DeChambeau. I just think he's good for the game. I'd love to see him in the mix on Sunday with DJ Scotty Scheffler. I just think it's a good dynamic. The way it was at the Masters, you know, having Kepka live guy and having you know John Rahm fill up there. I just think it's good for the sport. It makes it interesting. And Bryson lost 18 pounds in 24 days. You know, sign nice. me up for that diet. Yeah, no doubt yeah, about it. Yeah, what is that? Is that the Ozempic diet yeah. that all the celebs are doing now? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. <laughs> Nick, it's always great to see you. Thanks so much for stopping by. We appreciate it. I love being here. Thank you, guys. Nick Rigone from the Ascension Charity Classic. Get more information at ascensioncharityclassic.com. It is a great event on the St. Louis sports calendar. Coming up here on 101 ESPN, we've got a little rock and roll coming your way. 
You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Let's rock. Let's rock today. It's time for Rock and Roll with Matthew Rocchio providing us a topic to roll on. What do you got, big boy? Well, tonight is game two of the Eastern Conference Finals in the NBA. Celtics versus Miami Heat. Obviously, the Heat with a shocking game one win. And then last night, we had an incredible four-overtime game where Matthew Chuck gets the game winner, and the Panthers now have a 1-0 lead. So it's going different ways for our former Chaminade graduates. Um, But I do want to get your guys' thoughts. Which one of them is playing in a final, or either of them playing both. in a final this year. Hmm. Both are playing like in a both. final. I like both. the idea of both, too. Have you, have you heard of uh, Jimmy Butler? Yeah. Him, Jimmy that's, that's, that's Himmy Butler. Yeah. Himmy Butler, excuse me. <laughs> he, he's, he, I, think, I think he'd like to have a word with you, Randy. Well, I think Jason Tatum would like to have a word with you because he's pretty darn good. He is pretty darn good. Um, but that Heat team is, is, they are feisty. They are a team that doesn't quit. Now, I don't think... In the Western Conference Finals, the series is over. It's 4-0, 4-1, your your choice. But Mm -hmm. here in the Eastern, I I think if the Heat win again tonight in Boston, it's going to be a tough task for for Boston to come back. Yeah, I I feel good about Boston winning tonight. And for the Panthers, Florida Panthers, to win on the road in Game 1, Carolina is a snootful, as Seve used to say. That's a huge win for Florida in Game 1. In four overtimes. Yeah. How, how tired? How, how does that impact the rest of the series? They aren't practicing today. <laughs> <laughs> and skating tomorrow. I think it has a tremendous impact. This is where you have to use every single player you have if you're mm-hmm. going to win a Stanley Cup. And the team that has the most players, and it's Florida, they're the ones that are going to come out on top, I think. The Canes are really talented, though, too. Mm-hmm. They are really good. Very, very talented. Their top-end talent is exceptional. And maybe this is just local bias, but I just I, I can't see how Matthew Kachuk isn't just kind of the star of the Stanley Cup playoffs. I mean, he has to be, right? And it feels like he could be a big difference maker in this, obviously scoring the game winner last night, too. But it feels like he could be a big difference maker for the Panthers. I, I wonder, though, and it might work, to the advantage of those of us that are Matthew Kachuk fans, I wonder how much ESPN and TNT are going to push the net Jack Eichel narrative. The former number two pick, it was McDavid and Eichel, and Eichel had to finally find a way out of Buffalo. And he has played well, taking nothing away from Eichel and the way he's played for Vegas. But I'm with you, Brooke. I think that Matthew Kachuk is the best player so far. Uh, I won't say best. He's been the most impactful player so far in these playoffs. I thought it was interesting. I haven't heard much of the Stahl brothers. Like, the fact that mm-hmm. you have yeah. brothers mm-hmm. playing against each other in a conference finals, I, I thought that, that that should be. I think, you know, NHL, MLB sometimes misses the Story ball on the stories. Oh God, yes. Like, the important, the things that get the casual fan drawn in. That Those are storylines that people want to hear about. To Kerry's point, I mean, I follow NHL PR, NHL stats, NHL, like their overall Twitter accounts and stuff like that. The only reference I've seen to the Stahl brothers was a joke tweet that somebody said, with this many Stahl brothers in the conference finals, the world's about to come to an end. That was the only <laughs> reference I've seen to them playing in the conference finals yeah. together, yeah. is a joke tweet that got a bunch of likes and retweets. Nothing from That's, the actual pointed from the NHL. It's kind of absurd. I mean, you got it's three of them, right? It's right. three of yeah, them playing. Yeah. And so you would think that 
you would have more as again it's more about the the, the casual fan the the yeah. hockey fans are going to watch they're going to be glued in but you know that that wife or or sister or or brother that never watches hockey but their their family member is and they say yeah. oh you got three brothers playing against each other what mm-hmm. let that's me see good, what's going on that's a good story yeah it's a really good story so i i don't know why Again, MLB, NHL don't really use their storylines to the best of their ability. I feel like the NHL, especially too, does such like a bad job of that sometimes. It makes you wonder too if they had worked out that partnership with ESPN a long time ago, how much that affected mm-hmm. as things as well too, because it definitely got put on the back burner by ESPN. Even with them having that connection again, it still doesn't seem like they're much of a priority in a lot of ways too. And the NHL, there's so many times too where you'll have like their premier like games something big like the uh, Winter Classic or something like that and then they'll have another game going on the same night it's like no yeah. like just make that be your game that's your NHL right. game the get a night put all your effort into that all eyes on that promote that really really well instead of just locally because there there is so many good storylines out there and what hockey needs is for people to be aware of and watch a game like last night yes. the four yes. overtime game with that level of tension I couldn't turn away. I just had to fall asleep but because I had to get up in the morning. <laughs> right. But if you are a sports fan, any kind of sports fan, and the stakes are what they are, and it literally is sudden death for one of the teams, mm. it's incredible. It's so different than an NBA right. overtime game or a Major League Baseball overtime game or an NFL overtime game because it's so nonstop. It, it is. And no commercials. The, the fact that you get down to 12 seconds left in the game in the fourth overtime, you're looking at potentially a fifth overtime if Matthew Kachuk doesn't doesn't get that puck in the net. That That is high drama that I'm sure uh, a lot of NHL fans, those that were capable of staying up <laughs> yeah. that late, uh, really enjoyed. Yeah. Oh, uh, sorry, I was... I, um, <laughs> fascinating fascinating <laughs> to hear the timing. Rock and roll. Yeah, someone, sorry, I, I someone was talking... I, I was getting a note from the from the production room, and so I, I didn't oh, hear you guys. My yeah. apologies. Oh, okay. uh, we know. Yeah, why would I lie about that? That makes sense. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Randy, you said he was the most impactful player in the playoffs. I don't know what makes you say that. Brent Burns with 15. Bennett keeps the puck alive. Kachuk with a shot. He scores! Matthew Kachuk with 12 and 7, 10 seconds remaining in overtime number four. And also a shout out to our overnight board op because we're covering mm-hmm. all of the Eastern and Western Conference finals here on 101 ESPN. Mm-hmm. Our board op last night left at 1.30 a.m. Who was Ooh, it? It was, was Bradford Bruns. Oh, he stayed till 1.30 a.m. He's still asleep. He, he's, he <laughs> can't hear asleep. you say thank you, Randy. He's, he's sleeping yeah. that one off. <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing about Matthew. And I, obviously, Matthew's team beat the Toronto Maple Leafs with mm-hmm. Marner and Matthews and Tavares and Nylander. And... You look at Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, they aren't playing anymore. Those are the the most talented. Those are the highest scoring players. But there's so much more to hockey than just scoring. And Matthew provides every single element that you want. Not only the Maple Leafs, they beat the President's Trophy winner in the Bruins. That, to me, was the... When you win that series, that felt like this was a team of destiny, sort of, because that team, the Bruins, were the team that was supposed to steamroll everyone in the playoffs. And here, the Florida Panthers go into Boston, win that series, win that final game, and then they, they kind of roll over the Maple Leafs, and now here they are, four-overtime game, uh, and you come out the winner. It feels like this team is the team that is um, 
supposed to win the Stanley Cup this year with all of the things kind of going their way. And they're easy to root for, I guess because for us, they've got Matthew Chuck, but they're a, a fun upstart team. That's what everybody yeah. wants to be. You want to be that team that's the underdog that winds up winning the Stanley Cup. And lots think- of fans, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fans as well. I, I feel like a lot of people are like, oh, there's not that many hockey fans down in Florida. Did you guys see like the people just celebrating outside too on social media? They were going bananas staying yeah. up that late at night for it. It's really cool. He can't get outshone by Tampa Bay for as long as they have been. They gotta show up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Tampa Bay fan, Lightning fans are crazy, yeah. crazy loyal, so they gotta show up a little bit. Yep. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Randy. That is Rock and Roll here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we're getting ready for Rivalry Week. We're getting ready for St. Louis City SC against Sporting KC, a.k.a. the Kansas City Wizards. <laughs> but Rivalry Week starts. I don't know if there's going to be fights in the stands, but there should be. It's next on 101 ESPN. <laughs> You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Well, Rivalry Week was last week in MLS, but we all know this is the real rivalry. City versus Sporting KC, 8.30 tomorrow at City Park. It's going to be amazing. And we thought that it would be a lot of fun because the Kansas City Wizards are always just so good. Not uh, yeah, They're not very good this year, Randy. No. They're 2-4-7. and seven. They've scored nine goals this year. That's a two, four, and seven is not two wins, four losses, and seven ties either. No, it is seven two losses. wins, draws. four draws, and seven losses. They're mm. kind, as Gene Stallings used to say, they're, they're kind of scuffling. They are definitely scuffling. A lot of offensive problems. Obviously, they're again, nine goals scored, 17 goals against. Uh, City, still one of the tops in the leagues, despite the doldrums of scoring with 22 in the league. I think the biggest thing to look at right now with those first five wins. When you look at XG, mm-hmm. which is a, a reasonable uh, analytic to look at, okay, um, they had four games of their Extra five go- expected goals. Expected goals. They had four games of those five <laughs> with an XG over one point six, and they had one under one. Okay, question, question for the audience, for you, uh, we we need the answer. Yes. What is better, expected goals or real goals? Uh, real goals. Okay, just asking. Like, Generally, you, you're 100 correct. But the reason why I'm using expected goals here is because it's indicative. <laughs> if you look over their last six games when they've lo- uh, lost four, won two, and drawn one, you look at one game with an xG over 1.5 and four games with an xG under 1.0. Mm. It's a complete total flip, and the reason why is Klaus. And now if they get him back, it's completely different. You back tomorrow. We not a hundred percent, but it's looking like it's going to go down. Well, and that's what I was going to say. We're kind of burying the lead here because he went from being on that injured list to questionable, and he also worked out with the team right as well yep. yesterday. He was this involved group, in training. Yes, he was involved. There you go. It, I, I like that. Involved in training. This group right now, they just haven't really looked like themselves recently. And you could point to many different things. I, I would like to think, too, that it has a lot to do with Klaus not being here. 100%. But they're netting just twice in their current winless run after scoring five and a lopsided victory over FC Cincinnati. You, you just want to see them get back on track and get back to their game. That sounds really simple, but it looks like at times, wouldn't you agree, Rocchio, too, that they've kind of been out of their game a little bit at times. 
times. Yeah, and, and I think Carnell made a good point last week before an admittedly a very ugly game against Chicago. That I mean, they're playing you know ninety percent good. They're getting the ball yes. into the attacking third. Their conversion in the midfield isn't as clean as it was early in the season, but it's still good. And yet, it's just no one can get on the end of these pretty incredible passes from guys like Edward Leuven because they just don't have their their finisher right now. And, and, and you know, Nico jo- Joachini is a great player, but he's very clearly a a guy who's a secondary striker. He needs that poacher, that 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 number, that true number nine for him to play off of, or else he's not as effective. So, question: Do you think that this is other teams starting to figure them out, or do you think this is you know their depth being tested, not having Klaus there? What what do you think this is more of a case of that we've seen in this stretch? It's hundred percent not having Klaus. So when you have this style, when this style succeeds, especially when you're a lower rated team without the budget of other teams, and you win with this style, you do it by playing hectic football or soccer, excuse me, and you do it by having a clinical finisher. No team does this just by like scrappy individuals getting these steals. No, no, no. You do a lot of that, but you have to have a finisher. You can look back at like Leicester in the EPL when they won uh, to five thousand to one odds. They had Jamie Vardy. He's one of the best strikers ever, and, or in the, in the in recent memory. And so you have to have that. And City hasn't had it over their over their last six games, and they've lost four of them. They, they haven't won. They've only won one of them. Yes. So I, I think that's the uh, the important factor. Getting back to the side of winning and, and making sure that they do the things the right way. Brooke, you talked about the aggressiveness and and the the yellow cards and how how many the fouls, fouls they yeah. get that has been a concern and obviously that has uh, kind of bit them in the butt a little bit. But if you're going to play that style, you kind of have to teeter that line. You yeah. you're going to have to deal with the fact that those fouls are going to be called against you. But again, you have to straddle that line and making sure you're not getting those fouls in at untimely times. Yeah, I think we're definitely seeing that too. And look, we like the aggressiveness, right? That's a huge part. The physicality is a huge part of City SC's identity. But it does seem like those fouls have been piling up. I don't know. Do they still lead the lead the league in fouls? I know that when I had brought up that question that they were at the time. but I mean, It was a pretty wide margin. I'd be shocked. Considering the, the, last, the game they've played between that question, they had like four more yes. yellow cards. I'd be <laughs> yes. 100% shocked. They had a red card. I'd be shocked if somehow a team caught up to them. I believe so. But um, also something else to look at, too. Alm is still not ready as well, too. Is there somebody else who's still out, too? There's been a. Um, I'm blanking on the. Oh, let's see if I can bring up the injury report here. Alm's the big one. I mean, that's. I mean, Blom's yeah. been coming back. He finally got back onto the field. He's been a big part of the midfield. That's been a huge part of the conversation. But again, that's not the. That's not the issue. The people have stepped up and played really well in in place of those guys. It's it's Klaus, Klaus, and Klaus. It's kind of like when you ask uh, Waddy Herzog about how you build a baseball team. Pitching, pitching, pitching. It's, it's that was Mike oh, Shannon. Yeah, Mike Shannon, excuse me. But, but, you know, it's now with St. Louis City. How do you win a game? You get a healthy Klaus, Klaus, Klaus. And with that being the case, and they need him back, City SC has fallen now into fourth in the in in the conference. Is that a concern? Or when Klaus comes back, are they going to get back, get back to what they were before he was injured? I, I, I think you can say they, they would. I mean, he pushes that much of the game. He, we, he's, he's the engine. And when the engine's also your best player, it's going to be really hard to win a lot of games without him. And that's what he is. I mean, his ability to track back as a striker completely changes how teams play. I mean, guys get, you know, back lines are used to how strikers play them, and they get this guy who's come like a bat out of hell. It's completely different. Yeah. Now, and we, when we have rivalries in in a, ho- a sport that I know, I grew up with, hockey, sometimes fans come in from another 
team, another city, and they're insufferable, and you punch them in the face. <laughs> what happens with a with a franchise like the Kansas City Wizards that make their way to St. Louis this weekend, and they're insufferable fans? Well, they actually dropped a video um, kind of pumping everybody up and saying hello to St. Louis City. I did a little editing. Um, this is about 75% to 80% of the real video, but I threw in a couple <laughs> things in there um, to show you what I really think the video should, how it really should have been produced. Kansas City, our pride, our passion, our glory. We don't need to read. When this generation of American soccer came calling, Kansas City answered. Sargent took that away. What a first touch by John Sargent, who becomes the second youngest player to score on his debut in the modern history of the U.S. men's national team. And what a goal as well. Some places live in the distant past, celebrating long forgotten history. How about City? City is 5-0. Kansas City didn't settle for being a gateway. We became a global destination. So hello, neighbor. Welcome to the league. What took so long? (laughs) Greetings and salutations from the one, the only, the true soccer capital of America. Wow. Some shots across the bow. Definitely from City. Here's the thing. City has dropped their own video. They did about 30 minutes ago. And let's just say... It's a little bit more internally focused, mm-hmm. and I appreciate that. I'll just, I'll, I'll just say it's a little bit more internally focused. Um, you know, talking about some of the things we have a lot of reason to be proud of, and then you know, taking weird pot shots when you're. Uh, I, I like six, that though. When you're four games behind, uh, and, and, and about have about half the points. <laughs> the, it's it's you want eyeballs on your your matches, and especially if this is a rivalry mm-hmm. rivalry match, you want to make sure that people are tuned in. Well, I, like, I like the matches. We're doing great. We're doing great oh, with these we're on terms, the pitch guys. With we're our on kids the pitch. Yes. Having matches. I just thought it was odd that they were talking about Kansas City really coming up for the World Cup and then they played mm. a St. Louis kid scoring in for the 96 mm. men's national cool. team. I thought that was and odd. And they can't read either. That's weird. Yeah, they, they don't read. They don't oh, read. Oh, man. I, can't I read heard that. Good. <laughs> KU, grad, KU grads a lot in that city. <laughs> I so question, I like at this point, do you think you can call it a rivalry cuz it is so early into this between the two teams. I think there is a definite rivalry between the two cities. Right, and that's why it'll be a great, the fans will make it a great rivalry. Yes, yes. I thought, so I found this interesting too, the Sporting KC captain and Scotland native, Johnny Russell, he said, I think it's got a long way to go before it can be considered a big rivalry. But you know, it has to start somewhere. So it's going to start somewhere this weekend with City SC winning. Yeah, there you go. That's how this goes. Yeah, I like it. That's how soccer go. The dramatic Football. return of Santa Claus. He's going to gift them some Santa Claus sadness. is coming to town. <laughs> Just That's get back beautiful. on the field healthy. Yeah. So, and I, oh. yeah, I hate that Casey has scoreboard. I mean, they have the World Championship of 1985. They've got a couple of Super Bowls. They've got an NFL team. Uh, they might so, get an NHL team. Yeah. So they, like, they've kind of got scoreboard. Casey has has some issues with us here in St. Louis. Yeah. It's like, it's like I you don't know. Get it. Uh, well, Randy, are you, do you have siblings? Yeah, are you the uh, oldest. Uh, no, I'm I'm the youngest. You didn't. You never had just anger or angst toward your older siblings. No, I knew I was better. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you weren't better, I love it. If you weren't better, you would probably be a little bit angry towards your big brother or big sister. That's kind of <laughs> what KC feels. If big brother is mm. is you know better, and so they are, you know who they are and what they are. 
They, they got Patrick they, Mahomes going for they, him. They got that. Now, <laughs> you do. should just be quiet and enjoy the moment. Enjoy the ride, Casey. It don't last forever. We know that. Yeah. yeah although they aren't losing their team. Uh, we don't We don't have a balloon party today. Well, what we'll we have, have a little balloon party. What do we have? You know, we're going to we'll have our gonna own work, balloon party. Are we going to work an extra we hour? We're going to work an extra hour. Oh, yeah. Who decided that? We're actually just going to uh, we're, so we're actually nice. going to get a live feed yeah. of Tim and them playing golf. We're just going to call it live. Uh, yeah. I, I think cool. Tim decided. <laughs> Tim said, hey guys, I'm not working today. Uh, See ya. Yeah. So have your own little balloon party. All right. You know, there was an interesting comment yesterday from John Mozalek on BKM Ferrario about uh, what the Cardinal outfield can look like once everybody's healthy. And that's next here on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's Friday, Friday. Gotta get down on Friday. Everybody's looking forward to the weekend, weekend. Friday, Friday. Getting down on Friday. This is just such typical <laughs> balloon party Tim McKernan music. Is it 7 a.m.? No, but uh, oh. we wonder, this is the balloon party on 101 ESPN. I had so much lunch energy for the, this time, as opposed to three hours ago. It is Friday. It's great to have you with oh. us here on 101 ESPN. We are in for T-Mac and Ajax. We're going to provide a show that uh, doesn't include just reading texts for the entire hour. Whoa! <laughs> what? Whoa. Whoa. Oh, did I that Let's do it. All right. Cardinals team love? batting average 264. <laughs> Jeff average Mets average 240. You want to just do that? <laughs> we could have done that. We could have done that. They're on the golf course. They're having fun. They don't care. They're having a great Sporting time. KC really got to put some vinegar in you today, Randy, huh? Sporting KC. Come on. You're the Kansas City Wizards. Don't try to fool us. Come we on. know who you are. Yeah. You're the little brother. Yep. BKM Ferrario will be on from 11 to 2. Fast lane from 2 to 6 here on 101 ESPN. And yesterday, Mo joined John Mosella at Cardinals Pobo, joined BKM Ferrario. And one of the questions asked was, what about the future of Tyler O'Neill, number 27, in a Cardinal uniform? Yeah, I, I don't think I know the answer to that. I, I think the, the, the key for me when we came into this, this season was, obviously, you mentioned Dylan and Tyler. Newt was going to get an opportunity. And then there are guys like Burleson and Yepes that, you know, sniffed some big league time last year. And then there was Jordan Walker. And so we went into spring training with the hope of, you know, two or three of those guys emerging as, as they've earned it. And then throughout the, the season, we've had, we've had some injuries. We've had where we, where we just felt like where Walker was with his swing. We wanted some adjustments to be made there. We felt it was much easier to do it at, at the minor league level than the big leagues. And so, nobody's really kind of run with this to where they've just taken control. And now what you're seeing is, is probably more confusion in the outfield in the sense of now you're going to see Tommy Edmond out there. Obviously um, we're, we're hopeful that, that Burleson can take advantage of some playing time, but it's, it hasn't gone. as like, maybe we thought it would. And when I say that, you know, we didn't know exactly how it would come out, but I don't think we envisioned it this way. Now, Tyler O'Neill has played in 29 of the Cardinals' 45 games. He gets hurt every year. He has an OPS of 620, and he's headed towards free agency in a couple of years. If anybody should, and he did work really hard during the offseason to try to stay on the field. Nothing you can do about injuries. But that is his history, is that he gets hurt. Well, I think what Mo was saying is we had guys here that we thought 
it would sort itself out and and we wouldn't have a a cluster, you know what, in the Mm -hmm. outfield as we did because we thought guys would rise to the occasion um, and then injuries started happening. They didn't like Jordan Walker's launch angle. They felt like he was hitting the ball hard, but it was mostly ground ball, so they wanted him to to be able to drive the ball a little bit more. Um, And then you have Dylan Carlson who just got hurt. So you're putting Tommy Edmond in the outfield. I don't know if you trust uh, Yepes in in the outfield as much as you would like. Um, Burleson seems to be a little bit clunky at times in the outfield as well. So you're looking at an outfield now where you know Newt is going to be there. Uh, if Oscar Mercado Mercado can continue to play like he did last night, he'll be out there mm-hmm. until some of these guys get back. But I, it's really on the players to, A, stay healthy and B, perform. And, and if you're not doing either – then you have more questions than answers if you're in the front office. It just really seems like this relationship with Tyler O'Neill has been souring over the years, too, because he was pretty outspoken about how arbitration went for him last year with the Cardinals, and um, that seemed to kind of sour things as well. And then you had the whole incident earlier this mm-hmm. season, too, with Tyler O'Neill and Ali Marmol, and then you have him getting injured, which continues to be the story for him. He's been on the IL since May 5th with a lower back strain, and you were kind of hoping he talked about he made some adjust adjustments during this offseason where he can play more games, but here we are in another situation where he's injured, not able to contribute, and this outfield just kind of seems to be in a kerfuffle, a word that we like to use. Mm-hmm. It seems to be in a kerfuffle, and as Mo said, nobody's really pulling away from this, but it makes you wonder too, like, are they just weary of another situation of where you're going to trade somebody away in the outfield and they go do successful elsewhere? Because it seems like that's something that continues to bite them or even haunt them with Adolis Garcia and Randy Rose Arena, the big name with that one too. Yeah, and you would hope that Tyler O'Neill wouldn't go somewhere and finally find the ability to stay healthy and be what he was a couple of years ago when he had the 912 OPS. But if it's the Cardinals, anything is possible. Now, one of the other things that the Cardinals are trying to do, as Mo mentioned, they're trying to change Jordan Walker's mechanics. Last night, Jordan Walker went 0 for 6 for Memphis. His batting average is down to 182 in with Memphis. He mm-hmm. is not getting extra base hits. As a matter of fact, his slugging percentage in the Cardinals, they said they wanted him to get more lift, right? His slugging percentage at Memphis is 236. 236. So, Mo, this was before last night's 0 for 6. What are you seeing? We are. Um, you know, we are seeing an increase in, in his exit. Um, launch angle, which is good. And, um, you know, ground ball rate at the big leagues was close to 60%. Right now at AAA, it's closer to 45. So, you know, net, net, those things are good. You know, I think his overall numbers at AAA, people are going to maybe be a little head scratching. He's certainly hitting into some hard luck. His exit velocity, for example, is up, which is good to see. And so I just think, you know, taking a little pressure off the big leagues, allowing him to work and grow, Triple A right now is in his best interest and ultimately in ours as well. Glad the launch angle is up. Glad the exit velocity is up. Not glad that the OPS is 566. The numbers are what the numbers are. Mm-hmm. And you can say, yeah, he's got great exit velocity. He's making a lot of outs. You can say he's got great launch angle. Well, the, that launch angle is resulting in flyouts. Don't tell me about the labor. Just show me the baby, okay? So at the end of the day, the guy was projected as a superstar. Yes. Okay, projected as a superstar player that you said was the best hitting prospect that you've had since Albert Pujols. And he's got a 566 OPS at AAA. 
and he was way better last year at double A. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that's changed is your desire to change his mechanics. So if he doesn't work out, if you break him, it's on you. Yeah. Well, and and the thing is, too, is I would just be so curious to see, too, like what was kind of the plan or assignments that they told him when they sent him down there. Right. And who specifically he is working with, because then you start to wonder, too, like, is it just going to have to be something during the offseason where he works with somebody specifically? You know, kind of like how Nolan Arenado took Lars Newtbar under his wing, if that's something that would actually benefit him more in this situation. I think he's going to figure it out. I mean, normally when you are a really good player, um, you tend to figure things out quickly. And he, he's struggling a little bit right now. Uh, Mo said the the number of ground balls has gone down from, I think, 60% when he was here to 40 or 45%. I mean, I guess in the decrease means you're hitting the ball higher and hitting it further, um, but just not not getting it on the ground before it's caught. So hopefully that can can start to settle in for him and he can be back here uh, doing what he what we expected him to do. I, I don't know that they'll be able to break him, as you say, Randy, because I think he's a very talented young man that uh, has found a way to have success at every stop, and I don't think this will be any different. I think By the we way, just want some yeah. consist- consistency in this yeah. outfield too, right? Like somebody, uh, I mean, as we talked about, Mo said nobody's really running away with this right mm-hmm. now. Just having a consistently good outfield, would it feels like one of the missing pieces, the finishing touch, because as we talked about, Yepes is definitely not the answer in left field. <laughs> Doesn't appear so. What happened? Yeah, I don't know. I went back, so I I went back and looked at the video, and I I can pull it up and show you guys too. It's like he misread it too. Like it it was just kind of like a routine fly out, and he just like misread it. It's like he forgot what he was doing there. Just like a I I don't know. Like Marcelo Zuna. Well, that was, Marcelo no, Zuna. Randy, that was a, a different level. I've never <laughs> seen a person climb a wall and the ball actually fall short. That, to me, was – that should go down in history. That and Jose Canseco ball hitting off the top of his head and bouncing <laughs> over the wall. That should be 1A and 1B. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. You just – it sucks that this situation has happened with Tyler O'Neill because I think a healthy Tyler O'Neill we have seen can really benefit this club in many different ways with his glove and also at times with his bat too. It's just whatever's going on with him and the Cardinals, it's not working out. So my question, I was asking you this during the break, is there a pitcher out there that you can find that's kind of in a, sim- a similar situation that just needs a change of scenery, basically? Because at this point, what is his trade value? It's not high. And I, I brought up the Lane Thomas for John Lester a few years ago. That might be what you're looking for. But the reason that the bad teams are bad right now is because they don't have pitching. And so I don't know that anybody has uh, – I, I think we're going to have to get further into the season before we find those teams, and I hope we can, that have available starting pitching. By the way, uh, last year at Double A, Jordan Walker's strikeout rate was 25%. Now it's up to 28% at Triple A this year. So uh, you, you hope that you can get line drives and avoid strikeouts. But I think they want launch angle. They want home runs. They want Rob Deere, which is fine. They, Chris Carter, they, they can I, – I guess that's what they want. I don't know. <laughs> Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, there's a report that James Harden is going to opt out of his contract with the Sixers. What does he want? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Basketball. 
Baseball is an interesting sport in that because a singular player can have such an impact on a team and a specific game, we're able to easily delineate most times between who is a super superstar and who's a superstar and who's great and who's good. James Harden is a conundrum, though, because he is a super superstar. Mm-hmm. He led the league in assists this year. He's one of the great scorers of all time. He's a spectacular player. But he always comes up short at playoff time, and he did again this year for the Sixers. He's never played in the finals. He's all, had numerous bad games, sixes and sevens. And he has an opt-out in his deal, his $35 million contract with the Sixers. He's due $35.6 million if he opts in this year. But according to Chris Haynes of uh, Yahoo, he is going to opt out of that contract and is going to become a free agent and, quote, will only entertain suitors that present a competitive roster and the basketball freedom for the star to be himself. CD, what do you take out of that? James Harden is a superstar. He is one of those guys that, you know, can score the ball, that, that can put the ball in the bucket. He can lead your team in assists, lead the league in assists. But it's almost like oh, empty calories. It's almost like you're, you're, it has no nutritional value <laughs> whatsoever. It does not lead to anything other than stats. And this is why when people say, oh, numbers don't lie. Yeah, they do. They don't, they don't always matter because if I'm watching the game and I'm seeing someone have a, a, a great game in terms of production, but maybe not filling the stat sheet. Maybe it's a guy diving on the floor for a loose ball. Maybe it's a, a rebound in a crucial time. Those things are, are important things, but they don't always show you how well a player played on the stat line. James Harden is going to fill up the stat sheet, but he's not always going to be impactful in those moments that are, are needed the most. And, and as, as you said, to his point, to this point in his career, that's kind of been his story. Um, the fact that the, the Philadelphia 76ers got rid of Doc Rivers and the superstar, <laughs> the literal superstar, the MVP of that team, had, was, was, quote, shocked by the dismissal. That tells me pretty much everything I need to know about James Harden and his relationship with Daryl Morey. Um, and going forward, I don't see how this team has more success than what they had this year or have had in any of the years past. I don't know what roster, what competitive roster team would add Harden and say, yeah, you just be you. You do whatever you want. Because he does, when he, when he does what he wants, it doesn't seem to lead to team success. When he was uh, MVP candidate, lead, lead, leading the league in scoring, how was his teams doing? How, how, how well were they performing? Because I I know they didn't win a championship. Yeah. I don't think they even made it to a Western Conference Finals when he was in Houston. Um, they it's not again it's empty calories. It's a lot of points. It's a lot of stats. But it's not something that when you look back on it and say oh he led a team or he was he was the key cog in why this team was able to win a championship or get close to a championship. That's never really been the case. What do you think of this report that? supposedly he's expected to reunite with the Rockets in free agency, as sources say. Which is not a competitive roster, but they would allow him, it would seem like, perhaps to give him the basketball freedom. But is Ime Odoka going to give Harden the basketball freedom? Or do you just use him as kind of a a go-between between being terrible and being good and allowing him to be the guy that sells a few tickets and puts a few young dancers through college next year? 
<laughs> Randy, he's done. A, he, he's put more than enough. They they hung his jersey up. They retired his jersey Tremendous. in one of those establishments because wow. he has done so much for the community, philanthropic <laughs> uh, efforts that he has had. You know, his entire time in Houston, it, it's unmatched, really. Yeah, it is. It, it's some people w- will never get to the level uh, of of really support that he has gotten to in his career in Houston. So. You know, he, he's a he's a legend there. <laughs> Pretty amazing. <laughs> Just look at some of his history, though. Uh, 2011 playoffs against, this is the Western Conference Final, and he's with OKC against Dallas. In the last three games, he goes two of nine, scores seven. He goes three of five and scores seven. Then in the finale, he scores 23, goes seven of 11, but had a, a horrendous fourth quarter. The next year, you're in uh, the... Uh, in the playoffs against you, you are in the fight. It's the playoffs against Miami, and they're having a chance. The Oklahoma City has a chance. He goes two of ten, nine points. Two of ten, eight points. Five of eleven for nineteen points. His playoff history is rife with those, even on good teams, with those sorts of failures. Being the superstar, where he just doesn't come through when they need him, and. For me, the guys that are super superstars are the guys that come through at playoff time. And to me, this is very unique to basketball, where you have the ability to impact your team's win and loss more than anybody else except maybe a quarterback or a goalie, and it just doesn't happen. I mean, basketball is the one sport. If you got that guy, you probably can win that series or that game. Um, if you got two of those guys, you're you're almost definitely going to yep. win that series. So. He he is a he I, I I love his game. I love what he he brings to the game. It's just at times you want more. You've seen failed uh experiences, the the James Harden, KD, Russell Westbrook experience in, in OKC. I wish they would have allowed that to mature a little bit longer. You saw the failed experience with him, KD, mm-hmm. and and Kyrie. Uh, that that failed experience. It, it's just not been you know, good. He's played with Chris Paul. He's had a lot of superstars. He just played with Joel Embiid. He's played with a lot of superstars and has not had one of those games, one of those series when it comes playoff time uh, that leads you to the finals. So here's my point. If I were a good team, I wouldn't sign him. If I were, and he's going to be 35, he is, uh, he's going to be 34 uh, in August. If I'm a good team with a good roster, I'm not signing him. Even if I can get him and I can get him to agree to not be, play the game that he necessarily wants to play, if I'm a good team, I, it's kind of like having Kyrie. I don't think that he's going to help me win. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he has that ability in him. I, I mean, the ability to make plays, the ability—it's just something about certain people uh, that that won't allow them to get over that hump. It's, I'm sure he's frustrated. I'm sure he's trying to figure out what that is because again if you're playing you got Maxi you got you mm-hmm. got Joel Embiid they had Tobias Harris they had a really good team there this past yeah. season in Philadelphia with I felt all of the pieces to to be a championship team it just for whatever reason they couldn't get it done. Let me give you a point. Flash and sizzle, okay? Harden has the flash and sizzle. If I'm a team that needs a combo guard and I'm going to try to win this offseason, I'm going after Jalen Brown way before I'm going after yeah. James Harden. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, he's younger, and and but I the the Boston Celtics would be fools. They would to let him leave yep. at any point. Yeah, I those think, two, him and Tatum. He, if he wins, though, 
If the if the Celtics win, he's got to go for the contract. Oh, you always you, you get the ring, you go for the money. That's yeah. kind of rule of thumb. Yeah. Uh, coming up next year on 101 ESPN, I hope we didn't spoil Matthew's hill to die on because that's coming your way on this balloon oh, party with Randy. Brooke and Carrie, Randy, and Matthew. What? He's got plenty of hills to okay. die on. <laughs> you take one away, he's got 15 more to give you. You don't fret yourself about that. Do not worry about Matthew and a hill that he could die on. Next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. That is a take. It's a strong take. It's one of the best takes ever. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. That's my opinion! Well, opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one. He's out of line, but he's right. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion. I, I, I got a hill to die on. Bits aren't worth it. Oh, oh, that's a good hill. First of all, though, Randy, this is, this is we we got a new segment that's open there, but I got to give some credit, ladies and gentlemen, because we're entering into a semi new segment, and that segment is called Hills That Rock Will Die On. Wow. <laughs> I like that. So yeah, what Fitbit's a beautiful last... voice. Where'd that come from? <laughs> Dulcet tones. Oh my god! Only a little EQ, Carrie. Only a little EQ. It sounded fantastic. I appreciate that. Yeah. Sounded anyway, awesome. Fitbit's only they spend like 150, 190 bucks on, on a Fitbit, and they only last for a couple of years, and then they're dead. Yeah. And then they don't give you any like somebody should want to stand by their product, but they don't have any desire to stand by their product. So uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've purchased my last Fitbit. I'm just telling you guys. Get an Apple Watch. Oh, is well, it? Does the Apple you don't watch have last? A, you don't have a an Apple oh, phone. Yeah, oh, wow. That was a low shot. I didn't like that, Randy. Yeah, doesn't the Apple Watch like tell you, you better get up and move right now yeah, or else stand. you're, you're going to die? <laughs> and then it like shocks you. Yeah. Yeah. That's a smaller hill that I'm willing to die on, which is that yeah. as somebody who has an iPhone, everyone who hates on Androids need to sh- needs to sh- just shut up. Just yeah. it, it's, a, it's a phone choice, you weirdos. No. Yeah, well, Matthew's okay. a hill to die All on. All right. Uh, I'm already so outraged. I'm just going to sit this no, one out. We're not, I, I, we're not doing that to Hill to Die on. We're doing, we're doing a much more So you're staying away from the fact that you hate dogs. <laughs> I don't hate dogs. That's not, that's, not what the hot, that's not what the Hill to Die on was going to be in any way, shape, or form. And we're just going to blow past that. <laughs> okay. I have, I have an extremely hot take, and I have some audio evidence from... Uh, you guys ever oh. seen Ab- Abbott Elementary? It's a fantastic show. I have show. seen that. No. There's a character on there named Gregory, and me and Gregory share a hill that we're going to die on. And here's Gregory's <laughs> oh, main point, and I'm going to... I'm gonna, elaborate what he's talking about here is here is his point essentially and it's at the core of my argument fruit should not be hot fruit should not be hot what fruit, i don't like what, pies okay. pies are bad what fruit pies are bad apple pie apple peach pie. cobbler oh my blueberry God. pie as gregory said i'll say what it again of... i'll say it again fruit should not be hot fruit of... should not be hot what type of sick mindset do fruit you should have? not be hot that mindset it's very clear carrie it's a rock here's the thing you get a little words. bit of apple pie a, a, a scoop of ice cream and you have your hot cold mixture fruit and should you... not be hot it's not fruit. It's a pie, man. You want your pie cold? Oh my god! I don't want. Don't, what don't, is wrong? Do not cook my fruit. Who hurts you, Rock? You wash it and then you hand it to me. Do not put it in an oven. <laughs> oh my. 
Don't just, put it in a Dutch oven. Don't put it in a convection oh one. My and so goodness. help me God if you put it in the air fryer. Oh my God. Hey, I, I just want to know, do you just go home and eat like the blandest food on earth? Him and Dan Orlowski, they, they, they I'm sorry. Is there a lot of heavy spices going into pies on. other than cinnamon? <laughs> I'm just saying, like, like, how that? do you not enjoy the flavors, the highs, the lows of a beautiful I hot have... pie coming out of the oven, the waiting for it? You know, I mean, it's just like a beautiful, beautiful thing, and you're missing out on that. And you don't like <laughs> gravy on your biscuits? Why are you bringing in yesterday's Because uh, right? we're, we're gathering like evidence here. macaroni with a fork. Oh he God. wants to eat it with a spoon. That's, the rubber tip, preferably. <laughs> the rubber tip! <laughs> <laughs> I, again, I don't, it's not that I don't like the taste. So, of mm. fruits. I, again, I, I, so like I said, not, wash the fruit and hand it to me. You're not Don't putting, cook it. You're not putting pineapple on pizza ever. No, not really. Oh not my really. God. No, I love not pineapple really. on pizza. You've never had bananas foster? Yes. I have had bananas foster. I didn't like it. Oh my. What do you uh, like? Who hurt you. <laughs> That's what I asked. For me, it's not a flavor thing. It's not a flavor thing. It is a hundred percent a texture thing. You cook fruit, and the texture becomes this weird kind of what are you mealy. About? I, I hate the texture. You cook an apple, get that thing away from me. It's a weird texture. It's gonna freak me out. We got a texture from the six three six. Please tell me some of these hill hills rock dies on will be on his performance review in a negative way. <laughs> fruit should not be hot. I just the, the I, show won like five Emmys. Come on. No. Oh my god. Oh, also a cobbler? I mean, there's so many delicious hot fruit dishes out there. Someone didn't love you enough when you were little. Dude. My lovely mother and my lovely grandmothers tried to tried. They tried, tried. to fix you. You they you said, you just said it. you almost said it. You, they, they tried to fix you. Yeah, they tried to fix you. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, listen, this is my hill to die on. You guys don't have to join me here. <laughs> you are on that hill alone. Fruit should not be hot. This no, is a monster. You are a monster. So you won't you eat any pies? You won't eat any pie, I'll even if it's cold? Pie. I'll eat a chocolate pie. Chocolate. So you just don't like pies in general. Okay. So no, because it, I mean, I'm not a biggest fan of pie crust, but that's not the thing that's so, stopping so, so me. That's not the thing that's stopping If you get a like a muffin, do you you just eat it? You wouldn't warm up a muffin at all? You would just you, you would the eat that man. um like a blueberry muffin like warmed up just a little bit that's not your thing i never, I've never have, thought have, about this before have, but you know what if, if, a, if a blueberry muffin's too warm it is it, it is kind of weird Matthew, oh. I, oh my. the blueberries are hot i'm connecting the dots here okay <laughs> go for it connect them something happened to you on thanksgiving didn't it <laughs> I do not like pumpkin pie. I Something do not like pumpkin pie. You don't like gravy? No. Okay. You don't like, well, you, you don't like white meat turkey. Nope. You, like dark, you don't like pie? Nope. Do you like any Thanksgiving food? Yes. Yesterday, I, I uh, stuffing, baked mac and cheese, cranberry, um, you know, okay. rolls. Okay. What's, what's the usual other stuff? That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. Green it's beans. Just, I love some green beans. Okay. I just, it's... This is really unusual. It's your, your intriguing. Choices. It is, yeah. It, the 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 fruit should not be hot. Yeah, that it, it comes Boston down to market. that. I loved Bar- and Boston then the Market. Warm cinnamon apples. Yeah, they were delicious. Everything about Boston Market was Never really fantastic. Really I, I, I can do a caramel dip normal. apple. That doesn't like that. That like uh, the residual heat of the, this, of the hot caramel doesn't bother me too makes much. Sense. This is also a man that said he's never warmed up a pop tart. Oh yeah, that's what I, I said. Never, I forgot about I said that. I usually when, don't. When, when didn't you warm yes. your pop tart up? He's like, you warmed that up. Why would you warm a pop tart up? I just eat, grab it and go. We got like a three he and said and it like that was like normal. You, how long 
long do you think it takes to warm up a dang on Pop-Tart, sir? <laughs> hey, the breakfast trip, Carrie. Five minutes? But that's not what Carrie's talking about. Carrie's talking about that you, we're getting to the, the meat of this, which is that yeah. you didn't even want to heat up your Pop-Tart. But and that that's has the nothing, best way to have one. That has nothing to do with Pop-Tarts being hot. That has to do with Pop-Tarts are, are 100% a walk into the kitchen, grab it, and they walk out of the house. They are 100%. For me, they have been. That's all I'm saying. Okay. They're a grab and go. <laughs> What kind of monster? Not sitting are there with a toaster up. This isn't a six three six. This isn't a strudel. <laughs> this isn't a strudel. Do you like strudels? I do like toaster strudel. Like you, the, you, the, you, ones you, the ones you microwave and put the little icing on top. So you okay. like fake fruit flavoring? Who doesn't like fake fruit flavor? Oh. Okay, I'm just I'm 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 we're working trying to on this. Thing I like it. cherry flavoring. Do you, a lot have any other, do you have any other hills for us that you would die on today? Because this one is clearly absurd. No, this if this is this how, is if, absurd. If this is how you guys are reacting to this one, I do not want to say the other ones. <laughs> oh I really God. don't. You remind me of. Does anybody watch Always Sunny in Philadelphia? This is going to be positive. You remind me of Charlie, like wow. how Charlie has Holy. some of his weird food tastes, like a milk steak. If anybody hasn't watched <laughs> Always, you're steak. comparing not liking pie with Charlie how Day on Always Sunny. Is that? It's pretty un-American. <laughs> We're going to have to take a, uh, a team field trip. Over to Cyrano's in Webster, Ooh. so that you can try out their strawberry or cherry or bananas. What if he just, he just spits it out like? Yeah. <laughs> we just we bring in all of Rocchio's favorite things, and by favorite, I mean opposite day, where it's all of his least favorite yeah. things. And, 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 other and foods force I really don't you like. to eat. What odd foods don't I like? What like popular foods do I really not like? I'm try- I can't think of anything else like off the top of my head. Turkey. Usually, when I tell people I don't like white meat turkey, they react poorly. Uh, dry uh, turkey is. White meat is a little drier. My, th- Thanksgiving is kind of a thing for me because I don't because I don't like pumpkin pie and I don't like white meat turkey. I don't like yeah, get you a sweet potato pie, Rock. I'll bring one in for you next Thanksgiving. I really wish I liked sweet potatoes. Oh my god! And not only because of what sweet potatoes the, for Thanksgiving, I, I wish I could go out and order a sweet potato fry. Sweet potatoes Boston Market. They I wish. Were, uh, I, wish I, could, I wish I could save the three hundred calories. Boston Market's available around anymore. Not all in St. Them. Louis. No, I, there oh, might really? be one in Fairview Heights. There might be one in Fairview Heights, Illinois. Uh, text in to the text line three one four three nine 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 six four six. If indeed the Boston Market in Fairview Heights is still there, I think this is oh. the problem. I've never, I've never had, I've never gotten something grab and go at Boston Market before. I never Boston went to Boston Market. Market when it was in the in the area. I don't know why it didn't work. Somebody did text it in. Or text in. Before. I gotta agree with Rock. Sorry, guys. Rock. Rock. Where's you your burner your phone? phone? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I have nothing. I would not. I would not undermine the integrity of Hills to Die On. Oh the man. The entire purpose was this is me to get yelled at for having an opinion. <laughs> for having love, an opinion. I love how you 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 circled that around in your brain to, to make you. <laughs> we got time for Phil Jackson. <laughs> oh yes, do that one, please. Since we are, since this is the balloon party time, and basketball is a topic that they speak on frequently. Go ahead. What, what, what's your Phil Jackson uh, uh, hill you're going to die Don't on? do this. Do it. I'm not going to do it. Do it. All right, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll change it up a do little bit. It. Ready for this one? Yeah. Tex Winter is a better X's and O's basketball coach than Phil Jackson. Oh, wow. That's fine. Tex Winter was a better X's and O's basketball coach than Phil Jackson was. That's what? not even a hill to die on. That's just a fact. How many um, head coaching stints did Tex Winter have? Uh, in the NBA, he had two. How did those fare? Uh, not that great. But Why? here's the thing. Didn't have the players. What are we hearing about Doc Rivers? Okay, so James Harden didn't like Doc Rivers, right? Mm -hmm. What did we hear about Monty Williams? That Monty Williams was fine with the stars, Mm -hmm. but with the role players, it was not great. What do we hear about Mike Budenholzer? That Mike Budenholzer didn't 
go to his assistants enough to develop a game plan. What made Phil Jackson great was that every single player from Michael Jordan to the 12th guy on the roster loved playing for him. And he listened to Tex Winter for the X's and O's and was willing to implement, for example, the offense, the triangle offense that Tex Winter started, right? So Phil Jackson did everything right. That's what made him great. There's nobody, Pops included, by the way, because of his thing with Kawhi. Yeah. There is no other coach in recent NBA history that has had the combination of delegating to his assistants and listening to them and getting every single player on the roster to play hard. And and I will give you this, Rock. The, the triangle offense was not that complex. I mean, a group of 10 to 12-year-olds learned it. Me. We ran that in AAU ball all the time. Mm-hmm. We called it Chicago because it was the triangle yeah, offense. Yeah. Yeah, you go down, set a screen, screener comes up from the baseline, you you cut through. Trust me, we ran it. It was not that complex. You know what's complex in the triangle offense? Michael Jeffrey freaking Jordan. You got to figure out, you know who else? Freaking Kobe Bryant. You know who else? Shaquille O'Neal in the post. That makes that offense, the X's and O's that you speak about as great as Tex Winter is and how Phil isn't as great. You get a few of those guys, and I can run just about any offense, and I guarantee you we're going to have success. You're going to tell me the triangle didn't accentuate the— I'm telling you that Michael Jeffrey Jordan is the reason, as is Kobe Bryant, as is Scottie Pippen, as is Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, That's I mean, what I'm telling. Having you. great players helps. I'm not going to take it away. No, 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 no. no. It, 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 it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't help. It's a big part. No, Phil, no, no. It's Phil the Jackson, biggest yeah. part. Phil, Phil Jackson went to the Knicks, hired multiple coaches to run the triangle offense, and it, and they did. <laughs> not that fair. Not well. There you go. <laughs> Why? Because Tex Winter wasn't calling the plays. Tex Winter calling the plays. Because you got to have players making plays. All right, we're going to head down the stretch, tell you what we're hoping for, what we're looking forward to for the weekend next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Headed towards the weekend here on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Actually, this is the balloon party. We're in for Tim McKernan and Action Jackson. You should have known by the basketball talk that we had. Yeah, no (laughs) doubt about it. A lot of things to look forward to. Guys, as you know, I'm rather old school in my approach to sports and, and baseball. And back in my day, we used to really get excited about pitching pairings because pitchers went more than four or five innings, and it was fun to watch a pitching duel. Well, on Sunday... Jack Flaherty, who went seven strong innings in his last outing for the Cardinals, pitches against Clayton Kershaw, who this year is 6-3 and three with a 2.52 earned run average. By the way, if you want to look at the numbers, you can make the argument that Clayton Kershaw is among the two or three best starting pitchers in the history of the sport. So Sunday afternoon has a chance to be epic. Flaherty against the Doyers and Clayton Kershaw. That should be <laughs> a lot of fun. The Doyers? The Doyers, yep. Hmm. As Pedro Guerrero used to call them. The Doyers. <laughs> that should be that should be Doyers. really good. It's going to be a busy weekend in general in St. Louis. You have the game with the Dodgers, or the whole weekend with Dodgers in town, the Doyers. Uh, you also have Thomas Riet in town, too, oh, yeah. on Saturday. That's where I'm going to be on Saturday. Looking forward to that. Who's Seeing, he going to be joined by? Um, Cole. Cole. Oh, Cole Swindale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Good old so, boys. And then also you have City SC playing, too, to start at, that at rivalry. start, by the way. 
right? And it's on it's on Apple TV, but it's free this week, correct? By, did I say that correctly? Uh, Taylor Twelman's doing the contest. I know he's on the he's on the golf course today. Hmm. Couldn't join us because he's on the golf course. Unfortunately, Ryan was able to join us from the golf course. He was, but he's not, a gamer. Yeah, he is. He so. wasn't going to allow that to uh, his opportunity for the Hall of Fame to go by. Well, it did, it did, didn't it? It did, Randy. <laughs> you 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 beat him up pretty bad. <laughs> It's what you do. You call it, Good man. Good job, my man. Thanks, yeah, brother. Yeah, yeah. It's the bludgeon. We don't, we don't fight around here. We just beat people into submission. Yeah. So, and then, <laughs> and then uh, hopefully we'll find our way onto, onto a golf course this Someone weekend, Someone texted in FS1. Is that, what, is that the channel for, oh, the, really? uh, for the soccer game for a city, SC? Okay, that'd be great. Yeah, that would be great. Yeah, find it. It, said it should it be free. on the uh, St. Louis City SC website, right? It should be. One would think. Yeah. But either way, you'll be able to find it on TV. It starts yeah, at... And it says uh, Apple TV free FS1. There you go. Thank you, CD. Yeah. So uh, you can actually then, uh, Brooke, you can, as you're watching and listening to Cole Swindell and Thomas Rett, uh, you'll be able to watch the game on your phone, the match on your phone. Yes, I will. I'll, I'll be actively doing that. Is that at Enterprise Center or Hollywood Casino? It's at Enterprise Center. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a little loud in there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Turn I the volume so. off. Just watch the game. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. I'll just bring like my like the headsets I'm wearing right now and be like, yeah, I know there's a concert going on, but I got to work. And I'll be watching a lot of the PGA. You guys, I have not seen more than like a couple of plays of USFL football. I'm looking for Jeff Fisher's team just so that I can take a nap oh. by watching oh, his right. offense. Jeff Fisher hadn't done anything to you. Yeah, not lately. Yeah. Not lately, no. <laughs> Uh, it's a shame they don't have 16 games in the USA. I hope you can go seven and nine. <laughs> I hope that they. Um, I thought. I hope there's a merge with the XFL and the like USFL, where you can have you know those leagues kind of combine and get the best teams and the best players and in the best cities and the best cities and make it a, a feeder league for the NFL. I think that would be the the best way to go about it. We don't. The NFL doesn't really have one. You got college football. If you go undrafted, if you you know are cut. You're at home waiting. So maybe that can be something where, like, Major League Baseball has, you know, uh, their their minor leagues, and NHL does, and NBA has the G League. So, And that, if you're the NFL, let TV pay for it. Because essentially ESPN is subsidizing yep. the XFL, yep. and Fox owns the USFL. So let those two entities, I don't know if they'll be willing to work together. They should be willing to work together. But let those two entities be the owners of those two leagues. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. And have a feeder system. And because of legalized gambling now, you can really embrace, if you're a sport, gambling and get more interest. Even a kid like Shane Ray, who was drafted yeah. first round, he's been in the CFL for the last couple of years. He just got re-signed Buffalo. Uh, to Buffalo, but you couldn't see him the last couple of years unless you were actively looking for it. If you get a guy like that, you know, a lot of Missouri fans are going to watch that, be intrigued to see him. So, if you get a kid that is cut and and has the the ability to still play and wants to play in the USL, FL, XFL, whatever it is, I think that'd be really good. And I believe it's seven Battle Hawks have been signed, if I'm not mistaken, to uh, NFL mm. contracts so far. Them. That's successful. And more to come. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this has come. been a distinct pleasure. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to tell you. You're just thinking. So Matthew's Hilt Dion was, and we're doing shows next week, by the way. We've got extended shows because Tim McKernan evidently has just endless vacation time. Well, am I wrong? Uh, But anyway. 
think he does. Fruit should not be hot. Matt, what, the the other Matthew Hill to die on was that people are too close to their pets. No, what are you doing to me? Yeah. So that was we'll we'll do that one next week. Great That's... job by our producer, audio engineer Matthew Rocchio. Supposed to keep that one quiet, Andy. <laughs> Text line Brooke, hasn't stopped Brooke, yet. Brooke has a, a puppy named Stevie Nicks. Do you agree with that assessment? Are you too close to your pet? Um, I would say that I probably am a little too close. My fiance and I treat her like a child, but we love her and she loves us back, okay? That's an important factor. Unrequited love yeah. is good. It is. And yeah. I heard that Rocchio like kicks dogs or something oh, like oh, that. Yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. Not, not a kick. <laughs> CDs. Does our, does, our HR apartment, does our HR apartment handle in-house slander? CD didn't have pet insurance and spent thousands of dollars oh, yeah. on ACL surgery for yes. his dog. Yep, Pote. He's uh, he's recovering. He's on the mend. You Aww. aren't too close to him, are you? No, I'm pretty close to my guy. He's, yeah, uh, he's, a, he's a great young young lad. Yeah. And he loves you? He does love me. He is, uh, yeah. I mean, when you come in the door and the dog is, you know, he rubs up against me like, like cats do, but he's really yeah. all over me. So I, in the morning, I got to keep him up off yeah. of me so I don't get hair all over my pants. Yeah. But yep. My boy <laughs> Moose wild. sleeps right next to me, man. And then he stays with me uh, until I get up. You know, he, he hangs on the bed until I'm ready to go downstairs. So yep. I, I'm pretty close to my dog, too, because I like yeah. dogs. Uh, <laughs> so. Oh, man. BK and Ferrari are coming up for all of us. We thank you for tuning in, texting in, and being a part of the show for all of us until Monday morning at 7. Have a great weekend, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.